0: to fellow travelers of Fates Wide Wheel Podcast.
1: <laughs> I love
0: it. I love it. We did not even talk about it. I was gonna do the same bit. That is fantastic. Uh we didn't. No, we didn't talk about it. You're right. No, no, no. Uh fellow travelers, welcome to Fates Wide Wheel. Um this episode, as we will discuss, uh, has some, uh, unintentionally, as you'll hear in our interview with Drew uh, Lindo, who was the writer for this episode a little bit later, uh, has some lovely parallels with Glitter Rock, which is, of course, where we derive our podcast name from, from the song included there, uh, Fate's Wide Wheel. And uh, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've thought to myself over the past two weeks... We should just change the name of the podcast to Fellow Travelers. <laughs> that has that crossed my mind.
2: Sorry, I don't think we talked about this. So when the screener came in, which is like over a week ago by this point, like a week and a half ago? Almost
0: almost two weeks. It's been almost two weeks since we got the screener because it was basically delivered two weeks prior to air date.
2: Oh, sure. So yeah. so Betsy and I, like the first night that we watched it, and I told her, like, yeah, this, there, there's some parallels between this and Glitter Rock at the end of the episode. She asked me, she was like, so if you and Sam were to have named your podcast now, like based off of the song and this one, what would you have called it? Like, yeah, fellow travelers.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't it's, know. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's great. We'll talk about it a little bit more uh, later. Of course, like I said, we address it in the interview with Drew Lindo as well. I I, I, I love, I love the song. I love the title. I think that it's just you know Chef's Kiss, sure. if you will, which is something that that's not, not to steal your bit, but yeah, it's, uh, it's no, which great. is all and which is all the, the more surprising.
2: Awesome. One of the things that surprised me most out of our interview with Drew, which we're gonna put at the end of the episode, uh, if we hadn't mentioned that, is he he hasn't seen Glitter Rock. He talked about yeah. like like when when he when he came on to Quantum Leap, like there were some key episodes that he watched to kind of get a feel for it, and Glitter Rock was not on his radar. So
0: right, I he implied that. that he had seen the bulk of, if not the whole series, sure. before, four, mm-hmm. but it was you know years and years and years ago. Um, <clears throat> And so, yeah, he only revisited certain episodes. But uh, anyway, all that is to say, yes, fellow travelers, we are going to be talking about uh, episode nine of Quantum Leap, season one, fellow travelers. And we also are going to be bringing you an interview with producer and writer Drew Lindo. Uh, Drew, of course, worked on this episode uh, in the writing capacity. Um, In fact, he's the credited uh, writer on on the screen. Um, As is mentioned, of course, by Dean and Drew, also Mm -hmm. is that... um, A lot of times there are a lot of hands that that go into, or pens or keyboards, depending on (laughs) what you want to say, that go into the crafting of these episodes, the writing of these episodes. Um, And, you know, sometimes it just comes down to, to sort of like you know who do, who do we give it to who had the, the the lion's share of the idea or the lion's share of the writing that gets the on-screen credit um so certainly you know want to give full credit where it is due to the the writer's room the executive producers the showrunners uh because it really I, I, the more we get to talk to uh people like dean and drew the more we understand the collaborative efforts and process that goes into crafting this show which is something that i mentioned uh in in one of the tweets or messages that I put out about uh, this interview. And I love that so much. I think that in order to have a quality piece of of programming, you really do have to embrace that collaborative spirit. And so much of it is up to chance, right? You know, you can't force it. And the fact is, is it seems like that collaborative spirit is something that permeates the entire production. And I know we talked about it on our last episode in particular with the end of Stand by Ben. um, But I just I love that so much, and I think that fellow travelers, in its own way, uh, kind of exemplar uh, exemplifies collaboration, especially when you take the the sisters, the characters of Carly and Jamie, um, and and their collaboration. So um, I'm really looking forward to talking about this episode. Uh, we're not going to talk too terribly long because we want to get to that interview. Uh, but before we do all that, Dennis, would you like to thank our supporters?
2: Yeah, let's thank some supporters today. Uh, who do we got? We're going to thank our donors here, our patrons. Owls Play, Sleep Fansite, Bourbon and Board Games, Carolyn, Cosplay Dad, Joanne Bartlett, Dana Bias, Rich Bork, Kevin, and Kevin Butcher, Carol Davis, Dex Lower, Dermot Devlin, Barry Donovan, Brian Dreadful, Troy Evers, Larry Ganny, Jason Geis, Michelle Hoffman, Amy Holtkamp, Bess A. Corey, Lady Eternal, Rob Nunn, Oddly Specific With Audra, Christopher Redman, Adrian Saul, Karen Saxon, Mike Stopher, Heather Sterbiak, Damon Sugamelli. Larry Trujillo, Stuart Williams, Jill Wilson, our anonymous donors, and of course a special shout out to Jessica Conger and Betsy Freymeyer, our spouses, who provide vital childcare while we record
0: our podcast. Yes. Here and Jessica is working overtime today. So special thanks to her. Uh, as you may be able to tell by the, the way I I look and sound, I'm a little under the weather. Uh, Dennis, I know you're, you're coming into it as Um, well. mm Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're flirting with disaster. Um, no, uh, negative COVID tests. So, so all good as far as that's concerned, but, um, you know, we, uh, uh, I, I, I want to echo some comments that I made uh, last week and just thank uh, everyone who, who listens and supports the podcast so much because sometimes, uh, you know, we, we really, really want to deliver stuff right on time and have it be as amazing as possible and not have all this crap in the background that you see behind me right now because I'm still in between homes and etc. etc. And the more I think about all that stuff, the more I understand based off of the lovely comments that we've received from uh, so many uh, of you out there is that you don't care. Uh, and, and some of you are just listening, not even watching. So it doesn't matter. Um, But uh, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to everyone, of course, who supports financially, but anyone who listens uh, or watches the podcast. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. 2020, 2020, 2020, 2022 was such an amazing year, is such an amazing year. We're recording this on New Year's Eve. So it's still 2022 for us. Uh, By the time you listen to this, it will be 2023. Uh, I'm looking forward to an awesome uh, 2023. And uh, if you want to donate to this podcast, Follow the links that Dennis mentioned. Uh, Of course, I would always urge you, especially this time of year when so many people need it, especially with how cold it is outside to uh, support your community in any way that you possibly can put those dollars to good use set, right. What once went wrong yourself, fellow travelers. And if after all that, you still got some quarters uh, or pennies, even uh, shaking around in your pocket and you'd like to throw them our way to make sure that we continue to produce a podcast that we're proud of, that you're proud of, uh, and that you want to recommend to your friends and family and everyone in between uh, (laughs) by all means, hit those, hit those links. And, um, you know, give us give us a little something and I promise we'll put it to good use. I was going to make a joke about putting it to good use about buying a new house, but that would be a poor joke. That would be many reasons. Sure. Um, But but that that said, that's it. We did finally close on the sale uh, of our condo. uh, So Mm -hmm. we we are officially now no longer homeowners, but hope to be again soon. Um, And, uh, you know, 45 days from listing to close. So not bad uh we're, we're happy with that it's just been a long drawn out process for a lot of other reasons before we before we even get to list so uh now we're now we're in the hunt and we'll see uh see what happens and, and hopefully some point in the near future i'll be able to bring you a uh you know my own personal studio that'll look as nice as dennis's does with oh fancy thank you yeah and books and autographs yeah, yeah. And
2: our uh, yeah my that. new the 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 poster from from betsy from uh, a print from jj lindell this is for somebody up there likes ben so
0: yeah yeah. I think I'm gonna have to go with Oye Little Faith since you went with somebody up there like Ben. I don't want to. I don't want to just copy you, you copy know? them. You know, eventually I'm gonna <laughs> fill up my, like like
2: my my favorite episodes or my favorite art. I'm gonna do the big ones, and then he has some like smaller versions. I'm gonna do some smaller mm-hmm. ones. Uh, Betsy knew that Oye Little Faith was my favorite episode, but she felt like artwork wise, she thought I would appreciate this one more. So that's why. Oh she yeah. Yeah,
0: it's an incredible piece. Uh, shout yeah. out to JJ Lindell. like his work. Uh, I'm sure most of you are familiar with it and have seen, you know, the the retweets, etc., and, and found him online already. Uh, of course, the the producers and the showrunners have have also shared his stuff on Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, just incredible work, wonderful work. What a what a wonderful way to you know pay tribute to the show that we love. So, um, I uh, can't wait to see what 2023 brings uh, from him, and and certainly with where we're going down the road. Can't wait to see sure. that fellow travelers poster. In fact. I, Maybe I'm glad I've waited because that fellow travelers poster could be pretty sweet. I think it's (laughs) going to,
2: I almost feel like it kind of, yeah, very heavily lends itself to a poster, but yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Should we dive in?
0: Let's talk about and talk about Carly farmers, us 79 tour. Absolutely. When it lands right here in Chicago, Illinois, um, Where should we begin? Uh, I guess at the beginning. So Uh, I I just want to say right off the bat that one of the things that I noticed about this episode is that it just felt a little ever so slightly off in the first few minutes. And I can't put my finger on it 100%. Um, There's just something about the rhythm of the episode, the pacing of the episode. It's not until they get into the theater and Addison pops in that I feel like it feels right, if you will. Everything before that, and it's short, I mean, I'm talking like 30 seconds probably of screen time, but it just felt a little disjointed. And I can't, again, I really can't put my finger on it, but there was just something about the pacing or the rhythm that didn't feel 100% quite right. That said that's probably one of the very few if if only criticisms that i can level at the episode because what follows mm-hmm. i thought was just 42 minutes of of awesomeness and and what an excellent uh, episode we got and 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 to be fair that criticism is fairly nitpicky because i feel like it's one that you might not even notice you might completely disagree with or even if you do notice it you won't care after the next couple of minutes so um that's just yeah that that's kind of my impression of the beginning um it's also interesting of course that we get a new teaser into uh, uh the show mm-hmm. um why don't you talk a little bit about that dennis uh, i mean yeah it was a new teaser i figured we, i suspect that we were probably going to
2: get something because we've learned a lot since the first half of the season and i'll drop it in the show notes actually the first time i watched it or uh the second time i watched it i did actually like take the text um i, I dictate I, I i took advantage of microsoft words dictate Dictate function, and I just Turned that on. And I was like, "All right, uh, let, let's play it there." Um, to speak more broadly <laughs> about the episode, uh, there is a lot. There's a lot that I love about this episode. Uh, Deborah Ann Wool, I was not familiar with her at all. I haven't seen her. Uh, True Blood. What was the other? What's the other thing that she is most? Daredevil. Well known? De- Daredevil. That is Netflix it. Yeah. Is yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I watched Daredevil. I've never seen True Blood. Betsy recognized her immediately from from True Blood. Uh absolutely yeah, I absolutely loved her in this episode. And all of the character interactions, I just have I just have no cards around between me, like between, you know, uh you know, Jamie and uh Jamie and Carly and Trevor and everything. Just like all all of the character interactions I uh I I absolutely love. The the weak point, the what threw me off about this episode was the murder mystery itself um Mm. and and even drew talked about he talks about a little bit in our interview that uh murder mystery is kind of hard to do on quantum leap because there's always like the built-in plot hole of ziggy should be able to do pretty quickly what is going on and i feel like the, the mystery suffers from a couple things of one the the culprit turns out to be someone you are not given like the essential clue to like ever suspect them at all unless you're just taking wild guesses you're not given that clue until right before their reveal um and also it it, it kind of depends on agree
0: with that actually
2: well i mean we'll get there i may have missed it i'll see Um, yeah 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 and and, and it also kind of depends on uh another character not realizing something much sooner than what they probably should have uh now that be those criticisms being said I will say that murder mysteries are difficult. I, me and Betsy, we just watched Glass Onion the other night. Have you had a chance to see that yet?
0: Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not. We were supposed to watch it this past week, but there's been sure. a lot going on, so you know, family, sure, and
2: and, such. and and yeah, and even you know that brilliant movie that it is, and and it is a probably my favorite movie that I've seen in 2022. So it just comes in just like right under the wire. Nice. Um, <laughs> but even that, th- there was a like 20 minutes after the movie. I thought about a plot hole and I was like that. Wait, no. And I just assumed like, oh, I must have missed something. And then I went to the Internet and I was like, oh, no, there's just. Yeah. The the answer kind of depends on someone not acting in a way you feel like they should, given the information that they have anyway. um, Sure. But the murder mystery is really it's just a MacGuffin to have all these wonderful little character interactions and these little bits. And they are wonderful. The Ben and Addison stuff. Uh, we talked about it a little bit uh, in our in our top 3 episode that we just did. This episode benefits greatly from the fact that they went ahead and revealed at the end of standby Ben that Ben leaped to save Addison. So we're not wasting any time. Mm-hmm. We're just jumping right into this episode and we're immediately talking about it. The Jen and Jana stuff. Yeah. Mwah, I love it. The yeah. the the magic and yeah. Addison stuff. I love it. I um I love where Jen has been set up now. Because I feel yes. Like Jen, like I'm fully on team Janice and I feel like Jen is, she's she's maybe like, she's a good like 35, 40% on her way to team Janice. So, so yeah. Uh, and then the thing yeah. uh, to, yeah, to address I have, I have your thoughts th- and
0: feelings. <laughs> uh, oh, okay.
2: I, I think a lot of what I would talk about this episode is not so much like the episode itself, but just like fan theories of like, okay, where are we going now with this?
1: right right, absolutely
2: uh but the the thing to address your thing like throwing you off in the first 30 seconds this why i was thrown off and this may be a thing of like you live in chicago i lived in chicago for 15 years i couldn't quite place where they were supposed to be i just assumed the chicago theater but then like either that or the 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 auditorium
0: I, I, it would have to be it would have to be Chicago theater or the auditorium theater the the one thing that, that that potentially made me think maybe it was the auditorium theater is because I know that like historically speaking the auditorium theater hosted a lot of big concerts especially in the 70s like you just go downstairs in the auditorium theater you'll see all these posters from like the who Led Zeppelin the Rolling Stones Bruce Springsteen etc Le- uh, uh, Fleetwood Mac like there's all Grateful Dead like everybody mm-hmm. played the auditorium theater in particular in the 70s so um, that's kind of what I was thinking now it's obviously especially considering that I spent time there like working there you know uh, uh, when i worked for the joffrey sure. like I, I it's obviously not that but that was kind of my in my head that's where i imagined they were um and where was the auditorium just because i felt like uh, the auditorium is down it's now uh ida b wells it used to be congress parkway uh um, sure. congress and, and 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 wells yeah like on the corner of congress and wells i believe um, okay, okay. I'm not as familiar with that area than like Chicago yeah, it's Theater it's area, but, yeah. It's near Roosevelt University. In fact, if I'm not okay. mistaken, Roosevelt University now technically owns the Auditorium Theater. Um, but because okay. the Auditorium Theater is also like a historic site, they can't really do anything to it, um, which that was very interesting when they needed to install elevators to make it accessible mm, okay. um, because it had ac- accessibility issues. but. Anyway, um anyway. you know that's that. Like I said, that's where I thought they obviously they name check the Drake Hotel as where Carly is staying, which is you know yep. is a very famous hotel mm-hmm. here in, in the city and familiar with that. That would be a bit you know north, obviously of um of either one of those theaters of Congress or, or Chicago Theater, because the Chicago Theater itself is like State and Randolph ish, um, mm-hmm. you know, just just south of like what is that Lake Street? I think. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. So I, I just the went nice went thing is is like yeah.
0: I was just going to say, say, what the nice thing is, is that when Carly says she's going to take a walk, when she's going to take a walk uh, at Lakeshore Drive, that plays in nicely because the Drake is right there. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, they know what they're talking about. They know exactly what they're talking about.
2: (laughs) Sure. And had the episode had a higher budget. Maybe she would have taken a walk walk on Lakeshore Drive. But (laughs) instead, I cut down in my last one. It's like, okay, I'm not going for a walk, but I'm going to the bar. And I was like, oh, that's a nice. You you, you do that Mm -hmm. when you have budgetary restrictions and you're actually nowhere near Lakeshore Drive and the lake because... Right. Yeah, it's right. iconic. Uh but anyway, the yeah, I, I the the first thirty seconds I just chalk that up to the fact that a lot of it was obviously like CGI. Um just like like mm. like the outside of the venue and everything. It's like all right, we're we're getting established here and everything. But um but yeah, and then yeah, once we get into the to the auditorium, we
0: we get going. We do get going. And I think, you know, you mentioned it uh, already that one of the things that the show does so smartly is that it immediately brings Ben and Addison together, you know, and and it establishes that there is, you know, there's tension between these characters. Um, You know, we even see Addison right before she goes into the imaging chamber. Um, And, you know, Magic and Ian have this little exchange, which is which is lovely. Uh, And yeah addison's not happy and there's so much that plays out over the course of this episode so many wonderful character beats uh for their relationship in particular and again it starts right away and the lovely thing is is that we're there are some wonderful little cues that are that are set up to let us know that they're distracted you know from the mission like ziggy's trying to basically chime in you know like Mm -hmm. hey Hey, y'all! Like, there's something about to happen. Like, come on! Uh, But Mm -hmm. you know, they're more interested in kind of having their their discussion. Uh, The other thing that it's such an economical scene, so many wonderful ways. Because the other thing that the scene does is it establishes that Ben. Ben's like in the habit now you know we talked about this before with the classic series that there comes a point when Sam really is able to start figuring things out for himself like with context clues of when he is where he is what he might be there to do you know there are a number of times throughout the course of the series we'll see him basically beat Al to the punch you know I know what you know I know when where I am and what I'm here to do and you know Al might have a little extra piece of information Mm -hmm. and that's now similarly happening here Ben knows when he is he knows where he is he knows who Carly is you know he knows he's a security guard like he's kind of figured all of this stuff out and it's really lovely and of course you know, Addison provides those last few bits, uh, of information, which of course involve him in that m- specific moment. You know, here we are just a, a minute or two into the episode and he's having to save Carly from uh, a falling uh, light rig, which, uh, um, is, is, is a pretty cool moment. Uh, Deborah Ann wall. I wanted to go back real quick because from the minute she steps on screen until the minute that this episode finishes, uh, the word that I used was luminous at one point, uh, mm-hmm. Dean George uh, uh, he, he on Twitter said incandescent, um, both words fit so perfectly uh, she's so wonderful in this episode uh, at, at every turn um, the other thing that's great is that as someone who's seen her work a little bit in true blood I'm not super super familiar with true blood but I've seen her in true blood and then of course you know knows Daredevil pretty well uh, she's so she's so different. You know it, it, like this is just such a different um piece of work for her in so many ways and i love that uh you know just as an actor she she brings it and it's uh it's just wonderful stuff uh, throughout the course of the episode and she gets a lot to do and they give her some some wonderful agency uh you know this is not a a completely passive person that ben has to save uh i think that you know we we saw obviously a lot in the classic series where that was the case in particular sam was protecting a woman quite frankly um he had to protect the woman And, and in this episode it doesn't you know it doesn't often feel that way this is someone who uh appreciates jack um you know the the leap-y, but but also has a, a mind of her own a will of her own and, and 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 contributes greatly i think to um you know multiple plot points uh, as opposed to just being someone that needs saving a damsel in distress and i really liked that
2: i really yeah i really appreciated that too i feel like she she definitely brought a yeah a very particular depth to the character that I feel like in, in another actor's hands uh, you may not have been rooting for her as much, which I, which I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, her song. I mean, the, I mean the song of the episode, fellow travelers. Yeah.
0: I know. I love it, that we get ca- two different versions of it. I We
2: do. Yeah. It's, I know yeah. it is, it, it's kind of in a vein of one particular Fleetwood Mac song. I just cannot place which song that it is and i was actually i was actually flipping when we were out today with the kids like i had Fleetwood yeah. Mac going and i was just like shuffling through fleetwood mac songs like trying to find the song but i could not place which song that it was that it was
0: it's edge of 17 okay yeah just like the white winged dove that's that's mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure that's the one it is um, yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, i'm pretty sure that that's what it is anyway um yeah, it, it's, a, it's a Stevie Nicks song. It was actually released in mm-hmm. 1982. Um, oh, and so, okay. so Carly got there first. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think the song is so perfect. So the the song, yeah, uh, Edge of Seventeen, just like the white-winged dove, uh, may have served as inspiration because the sort of the electric full band version that we hear at the beginning of the episode um, of Fellow Travelers uh, certainly shares a lot in common with that. Uh, that, that song, uh, you know, is also famous for being um, sampled by Destiny's Child for Bootylicious, um, and I think that... Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Miley Cyrus also used it um, at, at one point in time um, for her single Midnight Sky, according to Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, the writer of that song is someone that had worked with Dean Georgeris before on uh, Bluff City Law. Uh, her name's Jamie Jackson, fittingly. In fact, if I remember correctly, uh, Drew will, will tell us a mm-hmm. more about her later, that the character of Jamie might have actually been named for Jamie, um, who, who wrote the, the song. Um And I think it's great. I love the fact that we get to hear two different versions of it, that we hear sort of the full band version at the beginning of the episode. And then at the end, we get kind of this acoustic version with the two sisters singing. Um, The lyrics obviously are are perfect, uh, much like Fate's Wide Wheel, uh, uh, just fit the show so well. One thing that that is really interesting to me, and I was going to save this for later, but I'll go ahead and point it out right now. There's a line in the song, a one-way ticket, that's the price you pay. And because we're at that point now in the series where I feel like we start getting enough information, like there's this part of me that's it's like, is this <clears throat> foreshadowing? You know, is this, is this, is this just a nod to to Sam's journey, never returning home? Is this, you know, are, are they saying Ben's never going to return home? Is it, you know, th- there's, or it could just be nothing, right? It could just be a great lyric and fit kind of thematically with the idea of leaping and, and hopping into the accelerator, et cetera. Um, but it stood out. <laughs> it stood A
2: lot of me, yeah. A lot of that that song, and just a lot of just everything, like the the, the themes like through this episode, it's like, oh, how much are we foreshadowing what is going to happen with Ben and Addison? And the the, the thing is, is that, and we'll get more into this maybe later, like with, with Ben and Addison and their conflict right now, is that Addison is upset with Ben for leaping and not giving her any agency. But also, I feel like, like, like the flip side of that is that Ben and Janice are very intelligent people, and I feel like if there was mm-hmm. any other way that they could do this, they would have. So I, I, right. I, I feel as we get further on in the season, I feel like what we're going to learn is that this truly was the only way Ben could save Addison.
0: Well, the, the counterpoint to that is that I would say that if we learn anything through the course of this episode, it's that maybe not. Maybe had he told her more information, as Addison is able to prod him later in the episode to give Carly more information, they could have worked together. Um, And I I, I think that there's, you know, perhaps uh, an argument to be made for that. I, I think it's, you know, one of the things that's wonderful about the show is Ben is not necessarily worthy of being on a pedestal right he has these very human characteristics and flaws and one of those flaws is is that the people that he's supposed to perhaps trust the most he willfully decides to hide things from and unless of course you know one of the things is too is uh, there's even the argument made in the episode about whether or not he's trying to save addison's life and jen of course brings up the, the point that like hey He said this was bigger than all of us. And I think that one of the things is it's like maybe saving her has nothing to do with saving her life. Maybe it has to do with saving her from betraying the team for some reason in some way, even if it's unintentional. Now, that's not even necessarily my theory. It's just something I'm throwing out there to kind of illustrate the idea that that there's lots of different ways that they could go with the idea of saving her. And I think that because trust is something that we're getting, is getting played with a lot here. um, It's, it's really, really interesting to me the way that we are given reasons to doubt our lead characters, our ensemble, uh, especially throughout the course of this episode. Right. Um, And that, and that kind of the fulcrum for a lot of that ends up being Janice. Janice is the one that sows those seeds of doubt. And I don't think it's done in a way that she's trying to to get them to distrust each other. I think it's because she's genuinely saying, hey, like you're saying, there's a reason we did this. Now, whether or not that reason was the only way or not, I think that's certainly going to be a point that's up for debate. And I hope that by the end of the season, it's a question that is still left kind of unanswered because I would much rather us be able to continue to have the conversation of, Should Ben have told Addison? Should he have not told Addison? Because this episode helps to bring a lot of things full circle that have really been going on since the very first episode, July 13th, 1985. Addison has this this bruise, if you will, over Ben breaking their trust. And as their relationship has continued to unfold over the past eight episodes, we see, you know, in the earthquake episode and what a disaster, for instance, we see elements of that come out to the forefront um, where they're having trouble, you know, fully understanding one another and trusting one another. and certainly Addison's pretty pissed off. And then then it kind of seems to get into a better rhythm, right? You know, and, and like episode seven in particular with Oyevil Faith, we get this idea, oh they're they're separated, they need to be back together. We get these lovely romantic scenes in his hallucination. And then of course, throughout episode eight, Stand by Ben, we get some wonderful moments where there's just kind of this almost relaxed feel between the two of them. and then it's all upended. When Ben says, I left to save you. And now he's robbed her of any kind of agency. And more importantly, he's robbed them of trust. He's broken that. And Addison has one of the most telling lines in the whole script. And I kind of hinted at it last time around when she looks at him and says, we were a team. She uses past tense. Mm -hmm. She does not see the two of them as a team anymore. In that moment. Also, let's just throw out the fact that that balcony gets a lot of play. Like there's some choice <laughs> moments that happen on that balcony. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so sure. all that is to say, I think that I think that this episode uh, trust is definitely a huge element and it plays on both sides of the leap. Right. You know, who can Carly trust? Can she trust her manager? Can she trust her sister? Uh, you know, who can Ben trust? Right. Who can Addison trust? Who can Jen trust? Who can Janice trust? Who can, you know, trust is something, again, that I think is, is a huge element of this episode. And uh, I love the way that it plays out. And I love the fact that by the end of the episode, there's still a lot of that that's left up in the air. Certainly with the leap, we get some resolution. But at the project, we do not. No.
2: And I think to to pull back and speak maybe a little bit more broadly about this is that, you know, you talk about like the ups and downs and the ups and flows of Ben and Addison's relationship so far. They end this episode on a good note. And Ben has essentially apologized as much as he is able to. But the question that I have is that can you fully apologize for your actions when you don't remember why you did them? Right. And even though like they've ended on a good note like even with no further developments assuming that we learn nothing more in the next like couple episodes what i think may happen what i'm hoping is going to happen is like they're still going to have tension in their relationship like everything is not just great now because i think right. it's one of those situations like you know when 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 you have a fight with a you know romantic relationship or platonic relationship like you have a fight and you make up because that's what you want to want to do like you want to heal the relationship but that underlying wound is still there and it's not, yes. comp- and it's not completely resolved. And Absolutely. I think it, it's, um, you know, like you said, it, it, it's very heavy when we said like we were a team and I was just thinking, uh, if, if we had more time, if we had more resources in the next couple of days, what I would suggest that we do is that we intercut mm-hmm. Drew's some of Drew's snippets into our episode, (laughs) but we're not going to do that because we we don't have those type of resources. But to jump ahead, like something that Drew says in our interview is that originally in the script, he uh, he had written, we are a team. And then Caitlin improvised, we were a team. And then kind of like, you know, looked at Drew like that. Okay. Which by the way, I love that as an actor. I'm sure you've done that. I've certainly done that.
0: Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> like like in the rehearsal process for a show, like I'm going to, I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to change the script. I'm going to make it a choice. And then I'm going to see if, the, was that cool? Was that cool? Right, I just right, wanted to right, show right. you. Is that cool? All right. I'll go back. But the thing, it's like,
0: now, of course, when Dennis says this, he's talking about new work that has a script that is in process and certainly not anything that has any sort of publishing rights or copyright attached to it, because changing words in those would be wrong, folks. All right. Thank you. Sorry. For legal – yeah, no, no. For, <laughs> as they say
2: on TikTok, for legal purposes, this is a joke. Yes. But anyway um, – but yeah, because uh, I rewatched the episode this morning, and it almost – it was almost like an implicit breakup.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, it, I
2: agree. And, 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 and between that and between uh, some other stuff that Drew said in his later view in Iran, and I know we're, we're kind of, we're all over the place here. We're not really staying very structured. Hey, welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel. You've been <laughs> for five years. You know the story. Uh, but I, you know. You know, people comment a lot like they, like they don't like the Ben and Addison relationship. They feel it's too controlling. Uh, somebody posted on our, our TikTok the other day that they feel like it's already getting stale. And my response right now after seeing this episode this last time is, are Ben and Addison going to stay together? Right. Absolutely. You know, you they know, may still thing... be teammates right. on Project Quantum Leap, but I'm wondering if at a certain point they're – the, the romantic relationship isn't going to come to an
0: end, right? I, you, you know, I, I do think it will be interesting to see what types of risks they take. Um, and again, I, I at this point I cannot help but have you know a, a lot of faith um, in in the team, just because there's there's been there's been some risks already taken. Frankly, um, there are certainly some risks that we don't see network shows take hardly ever. Uh, and so it makes me wonder, you know, what type of stuff we we might see. Um, I do think that the way it's been set up, I, I'm, you know, at this particular point, as, as, as is the lingo, the parlance, uh, I ship Ben and Addison, right? Like how, how could I not? Like I want to see them together, but I do think it's an incredibly interesting choice if at some point, you know, the relationship does fracture um it certainly gives a heck of a lot especially for ben um to 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 play with you know for raymond as an actor to play with too um you know that sense of 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 abandonment or whatever there's also the flip side of that though is addison especially being a former soldier could she possibly do that right could she possibly do that like she's probably seen what happens when you know soldiers like experience a breakup when they're on duty right and and they're they're thousands of miles away well now these characters aren't just thousands of miles away they're separated by time and space and you know physical presence so um it's a it's it's interesting and it will say a lot about her character as well as to how she handles it going further but i do love that the seed of doubt is planted the other thing that i love is the fact that magic once again displays this wonderful paternal quality which i think serves as a wonderful reminder that this is more of a family than it is a team more of a family than it is some sort of government hierarchy or project or military organization. Uh, Even though at one point magic does even call the, you know, the secret government or top secret government organization, you know, with uh, access to maybe one plane. But, um, Mm -hmm. but I think that, that the, the conversation they have that magic and Addison have about Ben is so wonderful um, to the point that magic says the words, you know, I looked Ben like a son, you know, magic feels betrayed too. And I think that that's the other thing is that there is a, there is a motivation that it lies underneath the desire to get Ben home. It's to figure out why the fuck he did what he did. Like, what the hell were you thinking? Why did you do this to us? And Mm -hmm. I think that that's the other thing that I really love is that, you know, the, all of these people are hurt and I think it's to varying degrees. Um, but I think that magic uses that paternal quality to try to hold things together. And I think that in some cases that might end up biting him on the ass, uh, as I will still argue for the Jen and her father stuff. You know, I think like his desire to try to keep everything held together, glued together, right? Like, I don't know if that's always going to be a good idea. And and, and and so to your point, like maybe in this instance, he's trying to hold everything together, right? He's trying to basically keep Ben and Addison together, um, play the peacemaker. Maybe that's not what should happen uh so I, I i I just I love that we can even question that because I think on to be completely frank, a lot of lesser shows, we wouldn't question it. We would just take for face value you know that oh, everything's okay now. Uh, We haven't talked a whole lot about the mystery. The mystery, the way that it plays out. And I, you know, again, I actually um, like the mystery for a number of reasons. I love that they come up with the device, of course, that uh, Jamie, the sister, was, you know, probably wrongfully accused and convicted of this crime of the the murder of her sister um and that the interesting thing is is that as you follow the breadcrumbs along the way is that we do get some some smoke and mirrors you know we do get some some red herrings um that still play into i think the dynamics the character dynamics and the relationships which is really nice uh one of the things that i love is that addison goes to ian um to ask them for help in kind of figuring all of this out because ben is convinced that jamie could not be the killer and Addison, of course, is saying, like, this is what we know. These are the facts. Look at the facts. And Ian, of course, uh, we, we learned that they love true crime uh, and that they don't uh, believe everything on, uh, on face value. And they have this incredible line. Uh, and uh, I just can't help but quote it. Look, when I was eight years old, I realized that about half of the world just blindly accepted as truth the construct of gender that is both artificial and profoundly limiting. So, yeah, I'm suspicious of basically anything that people say is a fact. I love this. I love this Mm -hmm. so much. Um, Our interview with Dean alluded to the fact that this was something that Mason came up with themselves. Uh, Drew talks more in detail about that in our interview, Mm -hmm. so I won't spoil that. Uh, We spoiled enough. Uh, And I just, I love the line. I love the delivery. I love that it's something that Mason, you know, contributed in in some way. Uh, And I, again, I think it says so much about the character uh, of Ian. and. I specifically love what the line says and what it mm-hmm. means uh, beyond the implications for this episode. I'll just throw that out there. Yeah. Um, what
2: I I will I'll interject and say like what I love about these little moments about Ian when they do talk about gender is we had our family Christmas family Christmas this last week and one of my last week, good lord, and one of my family members like he's really into the show, he's caught up with the show, and he is someone who is much more. On the conservative side, probably not have been introduced to a lot of, you know, ideas of like gender non-binary and, you know, gender as a social construct and everything. And I love how lines like this, like they are just dropped into conversation in the dialogue Mm -hmm. where for folks like him, like it kind of, uh, it kind of gentles them into that, into that idea. Um, And I really, there's a thing that I appreciate about that.
0: Absolutely. I, I I completely agree. And I think that uh, it's it's so separated from being any kind of moment where it's like, here, let me go grab my, you know, my 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 milk crate to stand on and for and, sure and shout it. Not to, to say th- stand, there are
2: you sometimes you definitely do need the, that milk crate to stand on. But then there oh, are, for are there sure. times like like when it's just dropped into the dialogue like that. It's like, OK, now we're back to the murder mystery. I did appreciate that.
0: And it makes sense. It makes it makes total sense, and it works. And yeah, it gets them uh, involved uh, in in the mystery and provides some extra motivation. Uh, I love the notion that as they're going through the evidence as it stands, that they're immediately questioning certain aspects of it. And one of those things, of course, is the notes. Um, yep. We come to find out that Trevor wrote the notes, so the assumption is is oh well, Trevor's doing all this. Trevor must be the killer. Um, you, you, you know. It's. It, I don't know. I. I just. Again, I found that the mystery worked. I will admit that on my first viewing of the episode, I might have been a little underwhelmed by it, uh, and I can't explain it. But on my second viewing, I. I just. I was really enjoying it, and I was just mm. kind of like, you know, it, it was. It was fun. It was fun to to follow the pieces. I think that there are some things that are set up really well. Uh, I think that you know the episode does its best to kind of give you these subtleties that might make you suspect trevor even before ben and the team do there are um, a lot
2: of shots in the episode where they ling they linger on trevor at the end of the scene
0: yeah and you, um, you don't consciously there- pick
2: up on it yeah
0: but then there are a couple of moments where it's clear that it's especially in retrospect, it's like, oh, yeah, no, that that wasn't him, you know, especially how spooked he is at the note which brought Jamie into the picture in the first place, um, which we come to find out later, of course, that the the real killer uh, um, wrote Um there's just some there's just some great stuff and daniel bonjour who mm. plays uh, uh trevor uh, i think does a wonderful job of he he comes off as someone that is concerned about his client that there is you know something a personal stake in this for him beyond it being you know just a job or just a money-making venture of course we come to find out that he's romantically interested and attracted to carly which of course causes all sorts of drama is he
2: though he says it when he's busted but is he? On my last viewing, I I took that note. I was like, "Wait, is that just is that just a wild swing?" Because he knows that he's busted for writing the notes, or is this kind of like you know when Sandy walks in on Michael Dorsey trying on women's clothes in the movie Tootsie? <laughs> That's a deep reference for you. <clears throat> uh,
0: yeah, I you know I did I, I I took um this is something I did take at face value. I I, I did kind of take that he was uh interested in her, but. That's a valid point, you know. Maybe he is just kind of grasping at straws, um, it, because because he, I
2: mean, here, here's the thing, and, and this will lead into like my issues with with the murder mystery is that you know you mentioned like he he is genuinely surprised and freaked out when he when he gets the when he sees Jamie's invitation because he knows that this is something that he did not write, and then at the end of the episode we find out that the only other person who knew that he was writing the notes was the killer. Loretta. Yes. And I I feel like it should have clicked with him right then or, you know, sometime very soon thereafter. Like, oh, well if I didn't do this, who's the only other person who who knows that I'm doing this? The person who's mad at right. me because I cut the the person who's mad at me because I cut them out of the songwriting. Yeah. You see, and I'm saying, and the thing is, and and the, the reason why I question like, was Trevor really in love with Carly? If he was really in love with her. At that point, at least after like the jig is up, he's busted and he gets fired, which by the way, I, I love Ben. I love Raymond Lee in that entire scene when he's fired, like, I need your pass. I need this. And Trevor starts to say yeah. something of Ben. See you later. It just slams the door in his face. I love that moment. Mwah. It was lovely. I also was, love I, that
0: it's Carly that fires him. Yes. That ben does not yeah. push that on, on her. That that again, Carly has agency. Carly makes the decision to say, you're out of here. And I just I really, really like that.
2: Yeah. But you would think that shortly after that, Trevor would really start going, Okay, it's not me. Someone's definitely trying to kill her. Mm. He would start putting the pieces together. He wouldn't just be in the hotel, like drinking himself into a stupor. Which is what makes yeah, me I, think it's more like I'm not taking it face value that he is truly in love with Carly.
0: Sure. I do think that the thing is, is that he, I don't think he has any idea uh, uh, about there be like, it's one of those weird situations, right? Where it's like the next door neighbor that ends up having like five bodies in their backyard. And it's like, well, they were always quiet. How could we know? Well, as far as Trevor knows, like Carly's not in any like real danger, right? Like he can't see it coming. He can't see the fact that like, she's going to be murdered as far as he knows he's being fired because he tried to keep Jamie away from her you know to to basically have her disown her own family so that the closest thing technically she has to family is Trevor right and her mm-hmm. and her backup singers and the people around her one of whom he happens to be sleeping with so it's like mm-hmm which is the other reason why i think that trevor must have some sort of interest in her that goes beyond a professional relationship because loretta is jealous of the fact that trevor wants to be with carly so it's hmm. it's clearly this isn't the only time he's said this this isn't the only time that there's been like some sort of romantic tension like i see it as probably trevor has confided in loretta like how he really feels loretta of course is interested in you know possibly trevor probably trevor but i think just some sort of companionship uh, uh, of her own, um, you know, some sort of value uh, uh, or being mm-hmm. seen as valuable beyond, um, you know, being a backup singer or being, you know, how she sees herself or whatever. I think she's got some self-esteem issues, but anyway, mm. uh, uh, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get in the weeds about something like this because it is slightly like, open like, to interpretation
2: for sure. But, but yeah, I, I yeah, do yeah, think, yeah, yeah to address all the mystery stuff because like I said the mystery is just the macguffin to get you all these wonderful moments. So yeah my issues were that and um and the fact that we don't learn that Loretta was even involved in the songwriting or cut out of the songwriting until right before the reveal that she's the murderer. Um as like I, sure. I feel like it was it was like it was unfair because like there was no real reason to suspect her up until that point. And that was my issue with it. Uh I will say though so, uh one subtle bit i i I have to think that they did this purposefully in the editing in at the party scene when Addison drops onto um Ben that now Jamie dies later on tonight at ten thirty yeah they just happen to cut to Carly and Loretta sitting on the couch talking, and the other backup scene beyond right. but it's normally it's it's like Carly and um and Loretta, that are really engaged, and I thought, ah, that's on upon second viewing, I appreciate right. That.
0: Right. And look, I mean, I again, I, I think it is absolutely open to to criticism and discussion as to uh, how well it holds up that Loretta ends up being the the actual killer or attempted murderer. But um, for, for me, one of the things, too, that that I felt was a nice little breadcrumb is the idea that it's clear that Loretta um, harbors some you know feelings of resentment and jealousy against Carly, but it's done very subtly, in particular at the bar. um. Yep. We know by this point that Jack and Carly have some sort of romantic tension between one another. It's been discussed on that beautiful, again, another choice moment on the balcony uh, between um, Carly and Ben Uh, and Ben. I love the way he sidesteps it. And it's beautiful because it's like, he's not shutting it down, right? He's leaving it open, Mm -hmm. but he's also being like, I need to focus on the job. And and I think that there's a sensitivity because we've talked about this a lot with the classic series. There's a sensitivity that Ben and the writers have towards the Leapy that I don't think existed in general on the classic series at all. Um, And that's not a knock. The classic series was what it was. But so often there are moments and things that occur while Sam is in the Leap that you just can't help but feel like that should have been the Leapy, you know, or or that should have there should have been a little bit more weight to that. Um, and, And I love
2: Sure. I would say or more and more uh, what Clara Feeney, which she brought up at the end of What Price Gloria, what the hell situation is Sam leaving Samantha <sighs> Stormer in? Yes. When she leaps back after she just did what she does to Buddy Wright in that episode. Absolutely. So, yes, I, I totally Absolutely.
0: agree. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, so I love that. And I love the fact that, again, that, that this is something that gets kind of brought up a number of times throughout the course of the episode. And the tension between Carly and Jack uh, is not necessarily the tension between Carly and Ben, which is lovely. Uh, and I, and again, the fact that Loretta seems to have some desires for Jack, uh, which are unrequited. And so she's just like, I'm going to have to go find my future ex-husband somewhere else. Um, it's, it's a telling moment. And, and I think that, uh, it lends itself well to what we do find out about Loretta again at the end. But I also agree with you that yes, the information that we get right then and there before, of course, Ben and Addison kind of make that discovery together that yes, of course it, 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 it comes it, it comes at you pretty fast and, and and it comes at you right before you know the the action has to occur. So it does feel almost sort of like, oh, by the way, look over here. Um, so I get, I get sure. what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying.
2: Sure. And the thing to jump back to what you're saying about like how the writers treat Ben versus how the writers treat Sam is I really appreciate how what I, I think the writers are definitely going to avoid with Ben. Is that in so many episodes, Sam had an almost antagonistic relationship with the women in the leaps. And that always meant that he was attracted to them. And by the end of the episode, they were making out.
0: Right, right, right.
2: And we've talked about that before in previous episodes. And I don't think, I mean, for now, at least Ben and Addison are romantically revolved. I'm just going to drop that. (laughs) But anyway, like (laughs) what I love is, uh, like you said, with the the care that they treat Ben with the leapy and and the relationships that he has Uh, i I don't think ben is always going to be perfect but yeah to agree with what you're saying like i love the care that the writers are putting into how ben interacts with the people around him and how that's going to affect the leapy when they come back
0: well i love the idea too that Ben spins this leap kind of evolving as a person we see him making the same mistakes with Carly that Addison is arguing he made with her he's trying to protect her, instead of supporting her and advocating for her and throughout the course of the episode there's definitely some character growth because he he does. You know, a little over halfway through, he stops trying to protect Carly and starts trying to support and advocate for her. And in doing so, literally has a scene, which, again, we'll talk about later with Drew, where he is talking to Addison through Carly. And mm-hmm. I and, and I and I think that it's it's wonderful to see that now, whether that growth sticks or not we'll see. And that's not, that's not like something I'm saying, like the writers better get this right. That's just human, right? That's just a human characteristic that, that, that sometimes we make those, that we make those changes. We have those moments of growth and then we regress, you know, we, we might, we might, it's a, it's a constant journey. It's a constant process.
2: Now in counterpoint in defense of Ben, I mean, we, I'm, you had these situations. I know I've had these situations where you are withholding information with someone and you feel like that is the best thing for them at that time. It is, they're not, It is not the right time to tell them. Maybe it's never going to be the right time to tell them. And I'm sure that I've made mistakes with that. I'm sure you've made mistakes with that. So this is the situation that Ben is in right now. But this is true for both of Addison, uh, him withholding information and him withholding information from Carly is that, and I've said this before on the show, we agree, time travel makes things fucking weird. (laughs) Yes, it
1: does.
2: (laughs) And I'm saying, like, uh, I, I feel like there are moments in this episode, well, I, I, I love overall how Addison – how her resentment at Ben for what is for what has happened and him withholding information from her, how that is manifesting in this episode of her saying, like, stop withholding information from Carly. I absolutely yeah. love that. Yeah. But also, like, I'm questioning it at, the, like, rewatching the episode. I'm like, is Ben definitely in the wrong for withholding information when he is? Because, again, this uh, right. all has to do with – time travel murder prevention what's the best thing to do but you, but you also got to keep the plot moving because also like upon this last viewing i'm like only because we have to keep the plot moving along are we getting to the point where we have a scene later on where carly says okay someone's trying to kill me i have to get myself out in the open and i have to do the concert
0: yes i'm so glad you I, brought that up
2: because I, i'm, I'm okay i'm sure you have a great point but I it's like and i am not faulting the writing of this episode at all because this is a a very common plot across all the things but this plot only happens in movies and tv shows it does not happen in real life because if you thought somebody was actually going to kill you you just lock shit down and you you call the police and you do an investigation and you don't move forward like unless unless they were going to introduce an element of like man this tour is really struggling i'm really struggling the money's really bad I have to go on stage or there are serious financial implications. Sure. <laughs> then, then, <laughs> okay. then maybe that otherwise,
0: yeah, but uh, other is... than the fact
2: that there's a, that there's a plot that's got to keep moving. There's no reason for Carly to go on stage. And again, I'm not following the writing. That is just the nature of, of, of how you, of how you plot stuff. And, and especially in TV shows, when you got one plot that you got to wrap up in 42 minutes.
0: But look, Dennis, Dennis, Carly's a Chicago kind of girl. She she loves deep dish, you know, like she wants to give those Chicago fans a show. Um, sure. No, I I, I I totally I totally see where you're coming from with that. But one of the, the byproducts of that moment, though, it, 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 you know, whether it's a trope or not, is that. Again, Carly's agency throughout the course of the episode is is so refreshing to see, and 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 she makes two big choices towards the end of the episode that impact, I think, the 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 resolution as a whole. She's the one that decides to accept Jamie back into her life. Like Mm -hmm. Ben, kind of presents the opportunity in a way, but but Carly is the one that says, "You're my sister. I love you. I miss you. Like you know, we're sisters. Uh, We're a team." and uh carly is the one that decides to kind of put herself out there in the open carly is the one that makes the choice to go on with the show and it made me wonder how will carly's choices potentially affect or foreshadow what addison and ben may do especially when we get to those last two or three episodes knowing that you know that that's going to be kind of our climax of the season in a lot of ways i'm not saying that they'll name check carly I'm not saying that this will, like, they'll have a conversation, but, oh, you remember what Carly did? Let's try that, or anything like that. But it does make me wonder, will there come a point where Ben or Addison feel like, you know, they need to put themselves out into the open in order to, you know, make something happen, right? You know, will Addison feel the need to put herself in the mortal danger that Ben could need to save her from, if that's even the case? Like. Again, she might not actually be in danger of dying. It could be a different kind of saving she needs. So it, I just really loved it. And again, because, again, of the conversations that we've been fortunate enough to have with like Drew and Dean, with what we've seen from the show thus far, I can't help but think there's some intent there. I can't help but think like we're seeing this character knowing their fate, knowing their potential fate, and deciding to go through with it anyway. And that just makes me wonder, like when we get towards the end of this season, you know, will there be a moment, an inflection point for Ben or Addison when they say, I know my fate, but I'm going to go through with this anyway? It, it like I just think it could be one of those moments that like we look back on, you know, a- after episode mm-hmm. 18 and we're just sort of like, "Whoa, sure. You know, well, I I, 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 but
2: I think the thing that adds to that is that you have time travel involved into it. And so so you have this right. thing of like they're going to hit a point like, oh, I have to follow through with this because I already have. Or if I don't do it, then this is going to right. happen. Like I have to do it because I have no, because I have no choice. And to step back broadly. If I don't picture, risk my life, sure. you
0: won't save all
2: these people that we've saved and helped along the way. Exactly. And, and to step back in defense of Ben, one of my ideas as to why he's doing the thing of like why he leaped and he's leaping to the future to save Addison when he's not just warning her now or he's not just pulling her out of harm's way now is the fact that I think Addison has to live her life the way she is living it until Mm -hmm. that point in the future.
0: Right. Ben can't change. Are we going to get to see two two Addisons? Are we going to get to see observer Addison and future Addison at the same time? Or will it be like a Sinjin moment where we see like, you know, somebody else instead of Addison and then we see future Addison. Uh, will future I Addison I, become past Addison? And then, <laughs> as magic would say, my head hurts. Um, I, 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 you know, the, the, I think ultimately that throughout the course of the episode, we, we get so many wonderful moments in the leap that the leap holds together very, very well. And it ends of course, with that beautiful acoustic rendition of fellow travelers. The, the, the song is dedicated to fellow travelers. It's this great sort of meta moment, Carly dedicating it to Jack, which of course, you know, resonates with Ben. Um, the note I took is fates wide wheel will now be known as fellow travelers. Uh, but I already (laughs) did that joke. So, um, (laughs) The you know Addison playing with Ben at the very end, like when you know Ben is like, if you tell me that Carly's still going to die, you know, and 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 I, I I love that sense of play between them because again that connection seems to be reestablished. You know Ben extended the offer saying we're going to do this together from now on, and it seems like Addison has, has picked up on that. But as you have pointed out, that doesn't mean that 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 wound that that bruise that distrust fully goes away. Um, we get some more wonderful hologram special effects throughout the course of this episode. There's a moment where like Addison, you know, um, goes from sitting in the, in the seats to on stage, you know, just like Mm -hmm. Al used to do. We get, we, you know, we get stuff falling through her or passing through her a couple of times. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice the thing we haven't talked a whole lot about over the course of this episode. And the thing that the project stuff is just like, Oh man, we got to relish this and rewatching it was so much fun. Uh, So I encourage people to not watch this episode once, but to watch it twice, or at least watch what I'm about to talk about twice. Those Jen and Janice scenes are Mm -hmm. gold, just solid Mm -hmm. gold. Jen pinpointing where Janice is having that, you know, that faith and just saying like, this is where I'd go and magic having the faith in her in return to just be like, get on the plane, you know, it was Mm -hmm. really nice. It's really cool. Um, The exchanges between the two of them are, are just wonderful. Uh, You know, Janice of course has the, the line about, um, you know, uh, why did Ben come to me when he could have come to you? That's the question you should be asking yourselves, Uh, which I'm assuming, you know, screener, obviously there's no commercials, but I'm assuming that's right before commercial break. Which is again perfect. Uh, and then, of course, when we come back to them later, uh, uh, they have this wonderful discussion about Al. And I love that Jen frames Al as being someone who was saving lives. Mm-hmm. So often, I think we look at the classic series as Sam is the hero, right? Sam is the one who's putting right what once went wrong. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that the show just comes right out and says, no, 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 no. Al was saving lives too. Al is making a difference
2: you know I, in the last week it's funny you mentioned it in the last week i've seen this weird like these these few tweets come out on twitter like this idea that al was really the better man like we always <laughs> think of, of sam as the better man because he was the hero he was the one out there in harm's way and al you know he 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 made some very questionable choices and said some questionable things about women you know, throughout the course of the series. So surface level, it's very easy to think of Sam as the hero. But I've seen a lot of these tweets in this last week where it like, it seems like, like, no, like Al, like Al was the hero. Al was the better man. And I just yeah. I I find that fascinating in relation to what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and, and the idea that Jen kind of tries to play a little bit on the the hero worship that Janice seems to obviously have for her father, rightfully so. You know, and then of course we get the the beautiful, wonderful, playful line from Jen about questionable fashion choices. <laughs> yeah. uh, which we'll talk more about in our interview. But um and 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 I'm left with this feeling after that scene and once of course Janice comes to the project, I'm left with this feeling as you said last week on the podcast, someone can't be trusted. I don't know for sure if it's going to be one of our core team members. Or if there's going to be someone we're introduced to down the road, if the person Makuta. that can't be trusted is as obvious as Martinez, <laughs> yeah, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makuda, you know. Or if it turns out to be that we can't trust, you know, Jen or Ian or Magic or Addison, like somebody. And there's a part of me, if I'm being completely honest, there's a part of me that's leaning towards the person who can't be trusted, and I don't think she's even aware of the fact that she can't be trusted. Is Addison? And I think that when Ben says he has to save Addison, it's not saving Addison from dying. It's saving Addison from making a bad choice. It's almost as if, here we go, I'll throw this out there. It's almost as if Luke Skywalker had the opportunity to travel back in time and keep Anakin from going down that path to Mm. the dark side. And that, to me, is A, far more interesting than him just saving her life. And B, also far more interesting than Magic or Jen or Ian being the one that betrays the team you know and and again if addison's unaware of it like if addison doesn't realize that that's even a possibility for herself like just provides so much cool stuff and of course it plays into the fact that this is a show about time travel as you said right and the only way Mm -hmm. for ben and janice to have any awareness over this fact is because of time travel right and perhaps the person that is able to tell them what happened because of this because of time travel is martinez so leaper x is the one that tells ben i'm gonna lay it all out for you almost like sarah connor in terminator 2 i'm pulling in all these sci-fi references (laughs) you know when sarah connor like lays it out for for miles dyson and says this is what happens because of what you did like that martinez comes back to ben and says this is what happens because of what she did and ben is like I've got to stop her from doing that, you know, Mm -hmm. and that Martinez, you know, for whatever reason, can't stick around long enough to maybe explain more. And so Ben finds Janice because he can't tell them because he doesn't want, that's the other thing too, is Ben doesn't want to sully uh, magic and Jen and Ian's impressions of Addison. And how can Ben tell Addison what she's going to do? Because then of course it could create a paradox or it could create an opportunity for Addison to just like, you know be prideful enough you know display that that hubris that is the downfall Mm. of so many heroic characters to say like no i would never do that and then of course what does she do she does just that so that's my fan theory i'm throwing it out there i'm gonna stick by it for right now we'll see what happens uh but it's lovely and jen ends things on a note that i feel like is so perfect when she says um you know magic is like hey aren't you so glad that we've got her now or that you know you 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 captured her you did your job and she's like you know ask me after we hear what she has to say, say like Jen yeah. clearly knows that what Janice has to say is not going to be good for the project yeah. um so I, I don't know I'm all in I love it it's fantastic the leap out is great Ben's leapt into a woman again a doctor this time he's got to deliver a baby I love it what else I love, can I say uh,
2: to jump back to, to Jen and Janice's scene, I wonder how much of this was an artistic choice and how much of it was a like a production choice, like a practical choice. Like all of their scenes were almost like entirely close up in their faces. Yes. Uh, right. and I think that was just wonderful choice in and in both uh Nenrissa and uh Georgina Riley. Georgina, they do. Georgina yeah. What did I say? Georgina's great. I, uh, Georgina. no, uh, you're right. It was yeah, all just fantastic. And I I, I posted this after we got the, the screener like a week and a half ago or whatever. It's like I am I am totally on board Team Janice now. Like out of yeah. out of ev- out of everyone back at the project, with maybe the exception for, for Jen, because she's like I, I think she's like she's like the standard for us of like what's going on, of uh, like I I I, tr- I trust that Janice has pure motives. Like I know that she has another motive yeah, separate right? from Ben. I she has another motive separate from Ben, but I don't think she has been deceptive to ben in any way like she's not gonna she's a- not gonna she's not gonna double cross him she doesn't have an agenda that is going to work counter to his she may have a separate agenda but i trust her when it when it comes to ben
0: absolutely i completely agree and i think the other thing that i'll say uh kind of in closing about georgina and janice is the fact that like what a wonderful multi-layered textured performance we're getting from Georgina. Like the idea that here is someone who believes they're not good enough and yet knows that more often than not, she's the smartest person in the room, except for maybe when she's in the room with Ben Uh, or Ian, she gives Ian like a kind of a little nod, like, like sort of like, Oh, this is how you tracked me down. Isn't it? And you know, and Ian, they have this wonderful line Mm -hmm. where they say like, you know uh, I can't tell you that that's what I did, but that's what I did. And, (laughs) and, and, and you know, there's just, there's just, yeah, there's some, some really great stuff. Going on, uh, but yeah, this person who has kind of been told that they're not good enough, are sheltered in a way because maybe there's a fear that they're too good at what they do or what they know, or they're too smart uh, or whatnot by Beth. Um, you know, it's brought back up again. You know, it's like you drugged your own mother uh, by by Jen. Like here's this this incredibly complex human that I think is 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 psychologically shielding themselves from you, you know being. Uh, thought that they're not good enough for whatever reason or 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 maybe there are some indeed and i say this very gently and very sensitively because i don't want it to be seen as just like a, a plot beat or whatever but here's somebody who could indeed maybe be suffering from some sort of mental illness or suffering from grief just grief just it could just be grief over the passing of her father that has kind of caused her to just close off in so many ways because it's clear she's got this worship for her father she wears his ring you know and 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 it's lovely and 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 the idea that that relationship is so important and so central to what's happening here is such a wonderful um you know it goes beyond homage it goes beyond tip of the hat it's an embracement of everything embracement is that a word embracing it's a wonderful embracing (laughs) of the classic series and so i I just i i love the fact that we've got a character who is is definitely complex and not just for the sake of being complex like i genuinely feel like they've earned that janice is the way that she is because of all of the things that we've been told about her so far a hyper intelligent human who's not been given the opportunities that she probably so richly deserves because one Mm -hmm. person has been protecting her. Other people, you know, might be doing the same, or maybe there's other ulterior motives. Uh, and the one person that seemingly might've believed in her the most died. Mm -hmm. So yeah, between, I mean, I, I, I just, I love it. And I think that, uh, it'll be really interesting now that she's at the project to see what happens. I think, I think things, things are about to get wild.
2: For sure. And to touch on that tangentially, because you talked about like she's very complicated because she's dealing with perhaps mental illness and grief. Another uh, small theme in this episode that I loved and that we haven't touched on is the fact they talk on, uh, they, they speak about addiction and substance abuse. And I love like Ian has a line in, in there. Yes. About, uh, you know, how it so is very often. Yeah. About how it is very often vilified. And Jamie's, you know, whole journey, like, in her her scene with carly when they reunite you know talking about you know i was you know i was sick and it took me a while to get better and i had to lose everything to, i can't remember the exact line but i love the fact it's again it's a subtle thing but it's something that we're talking about more in the culture is this idea that substance abuse and addiction is not a moral flaw it is an illness right
0: and yes. we need to start i completely treating agree. It in
2: that way yeah
0: I I wrote the words, you know, Frank talk about addiction and its vilification and the ability to get sober being real and being work. I really loved. I love the idea that there's this acknowledgement that like, yeah, you know, especially in 1979, if you were an addict, you know, if you were an alcoholic or something, you you know, you you were vilified. You were thought that there was indeed some sort of moral flaw, some sort of character flaw. You know, that that's uh, fortunately, you know, I think that that's changing. And and certainly I think Ian is absolutely the right character, uh, much like they were when they had their line about, you know gender diversity and, and and the binary i think that you know they, they they hit it on the head and you you see it uh, exemplified through jamie as a character um who uh, was played by carissa lee staples we didn't mention that earlier um mm-hmm. and 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 so well uh you know here's a character that yeah uh, acknowledges that, um, you know, I, I I had a problem, I had an illness, I had an addiction, and, and I had to work at it, I had to work to become sober, and uh, that the work continues, right, you know, and I think that the the mending fences with, with Carly and the, the moment that they have together is, is important, because it's, in, in some ways, you know, that's just as much a part of that work as, as anything, Um so I, I'm so glad you brought that up because I completely forgot about it. I didn't, I didn't mention it, but it was a note that no, I had taken. No, it's all good. And, yeah, a couple more notes, and then maybe we should start wrapping up and throwing it to our interview. Yeah, with, definitely should. With, <laughs> yeah, with, with Drew. Um, Here's our short moment, overview the, of fellow of Drew,
2: travelers. Yeah, <laughs> I, we knew this was going to happen. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. At, at the end, before the leap out, when Ben and Carly have the moment about you know, his calendar freeing up. And now that this is over with, like, are they going to explore this romantic thing? And Ben turns and looks at the mirror and he, and he sees Jack upon the second view. I I just kind of took it at, you know, at face value the first time I view it upon second viewing, I'm like, Oh, like if both Ben and the leapy are there, are we kind of having a moment a little bit like we hit, like we did in, OG of little Mm. faith when he's, when he's almost having Mm -hmm. a conversation with, with, uh, with the priest. Like I almost felt like that like 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 that turn and look in the mirror. Like it wasn't just like a moment between Ben and Leapy. Like a part of me like like was it was it Jack controlling that move to look in the mirror and kind of have this like right, right. this this moment, this this collaboration of like, hey, things are gonna be set up nice when I when when I get back.
0: Right, right, right. No, that's a a really great point. Uh, And just to piggyback on that real quick, it also makes me think about the fact that we didn't mention this, but Ben gets stabbed. Uh, And it makes me wonder, like, uh, after he leaps out, like, Jack does jack still have that wound i'm assuming yes oh yeah now the question is is like does ben still have that wound you know and and i think that the assumption will be no but it does make me wonder if it'll be addressed in any way you know and if not that's totally fine like i'm not expecting it to be but it is interesting to think that like oh ben has been wounded like ben has been injured in this leap you know will that have an effect going forward uh if ben were to return to the project will he have a scar You know what I mean? Like, well, I'm very curious about something like that. And if it's something that, you know, that that will get addressed at all, it might not. And that's again, that's totally fine. But it it did make me wonder.
2: Yeah. And then uh, one last thing. So this leap takes place on April 24th, 25th, 1979. The closest that Sam leaps in is about a month later in Catch a Falling Star. That's like May 21st-ish. Oh, that one. 1979. (laughs) And, And so far, the three leaps that we've had where Ben crosses over like through the time with Sam, he doesn't actually mm-hmm. leap in anywhere where Sam is. Or, I mean, like, he doesn't leap into a, a time period where Sam is. Like, he's not there at mm. exactly the same time Sam is. And I wonder, right, right, right. I, I'm just curious to know if that is something that the writers are intentionally being mindful of, or if it just happens to be coincidence.
0: Here's uh, uh, my, I'll throw two cents at you real quick. I wonder if it's one of those things that, much like what Dean said about the waiting room, is if it's one of those things that they say, We can do it if we want to, but let's make sure it counts. Like, let's make sure Mm -hmm. it means something to the, to the point that like, and again, this isn't me trying to be like, Scott's going to join the show someday or whatever. But like, you know, if they do get Scott to guest on the show at some point, would that be a consideration then? Right. You know, not that that would be the episode that Scott's on. Right. But that if they share the same time and place, perhaps that that leads to of course them crossing paths like literally um, Mm -hmm. at some point as well. So I, I I don't know, but that is, that is interesting. Um, What do you think? I'm curious because I don't know that we know this information for certain. Maybe we do. And I've just completely forgotten. When do you think Ben is for next week's episode at that leap out? Because I wasn't able to pin it down and, and thinking about the slingshot, the yo-yo effect and everything, it seemed like he was awfully close to 1979, as opposed to it being further apart, which I think that you know that's kind of the theory is that the leaps will keep getting further and further and further apart until he mm-hmm. slingshots into the future.
2: Um, that's a good question. I don't think we know this information. Like I said, costume wise, it looks pretty close, but I right. I'm curious. Like if we're doing like a slingshot thing, is there going to be an is there going to be a thing where two leaps are like really close together? So it's kind of like a woo woo. Mm-hmm, further, mm-hmm, further mm-hmm. apart, further, further, and then I don't know.
0: If you're not watching on YouTube right now, Ben just made a scintillating hand. Ben, <laughs> 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 Dennis just made a scintillating hand yeah. motion. Uh, sure. Uh, so go over to YouTube and check that out. Uh, no, yeah, that that that's interesting. I'm um, I'm wondering if that's something that we'll get more about at some point. Like in particular, if Ian, if they'll have something to say about you know, the, the why's and what fours of, of the leaping, or of course, if Ben might address it at some point or, or Janice, we'll, we'll see. Um, But I think we're going to learn, we're going to learn a hell of a lot more and we're probably going to start learning sooner rather than later. You know,
2: I think, yeah, I think it's going to start moving pretty fast. And I am ready. If it's not like, I love your theory that that Ben is leaping to save Addison from herself in a way of like some action that she does. If it's not that, I do want it to be one of our core cast members who has, who has compromised in some way, has ulterior motives that we don't know about because I don't want just someone to be introduced out of the blue at the project. I want yes, it. I agree. I, I want it to be one of our core cast members and I want it to be a Ted Danson at the end of season one of the good place moment
1: <laughs>
2: where everything is just upended and maybe it's Ernie Hudson. Maybe it's Mason. Who knows where they just give that demonic laugh? Like, ha, 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 ha. that's a stretch. I know.
0: Or yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, who knows? You and know, of course, magic, also, magic. I, I don't,
2: I don't think they're going to do this. I don't think i are going to do this, but I think we have to address it because I think some listeners may think that, that they're going to do this. The compromised person could be an evil leaper.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't think that's it, going to happen. It, it,
2: I just have to throw that out there.
0: I also I also think that one of the things that's really cool, and this is not new information, is something that's been talked about quite a bit on social media, and I mean we've even talked about it a bit too. I think that the idea is is that it makes a lot of sense for the team to think of Martinez to continue thinking of Martinez as an evil leaper, right? Uh, um, or or to maybe frame him in in some fashion as being suspect, not, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not aligned with their goals and values, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, obviously, it's far more interesting if that's not the case. But I do think it opens up the door to having a discussion about that at some point. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens.
2: But, yeah, that's all we do. But at that point, I think we should throw it to to Drew. We had such a wonderful conversation should. with him. As far as Fan Wake, he was, he was such a good sport. He played a short game with me uh, yeah. towards the end. Uh, and he has... I just say he has a fantastic poker face.
0: Yeah, he does have a fantastic poker face. Uh, he also is incredibly articulate. Uh, obviously, very intelligent, very passionate about the work uh, that he does. And uh, I just thought that he, not only did he come across so well, um, you know, for for the purposes of the interview, but I think that if you know if you're listening to it if you're listening to this you're going to walk away feeling like you've learned things about the show you i think you're going to feel as though um you know you're not getting any spoilers at all uh but i do think that you're going to maybe be able to make some even more educated guesses
2: drew welcome to the show
3: thanks so much for having
0: you guys yeah absolutely it's our pleasure uh, i was super excited to be able to talk about quantum leap and obviously specifically somebody up there like ben and fellow travelers uh which by the time this airs will have aired itself um so to to kind of just to kick things off um talk a little bit about how you came to quantum leap
3: um so i had worked previously with Martin Giro, not on Blind Spot, but we had uh, developed and sold a couple of pilots together to Fox and NBC. And um and sometime in the spring, I was working with him on another project just as a just in like a little mini-room. And uh it was around that time that Quantum Leap had been announced as the pilot and he was producing that. And I read some of that script and was I remember reading like the just the teaser while we were working on something else. Be like that is that's really, really great. And I remember that show growing up and and it seemed like, you know, a job that 10 billion people would wanna work on and I would probably <laughs> never get. Uh, and and uh, a few weeks later, uh, he said, I'm gonna have a, a meeting for you on, on Quantum Leap, which was much to my surprise. And um, and I, I was, you know, I'd grown up at a time in the 90s when it was hard to find sci-fi fair. There was no CW when I grew up. So like when yeah. you wanted to watch science fiction, I felt, uh, this is just my memory of it as a kid, but like there was like Star Trek The Next Generation and Quantum Leap or like, that's, you know, the flash for one season maybe, but like that stuff just wasn't <laughs> in the lexicon and as popular as it is now. And so I had fond memories of the show, but also I had childhood memories of the show, you know? Um, so certain things about the lore had had gotten lost in my memory banks. Uh, like I, my, I had my own Swiss cheese brain about Quantum Leap. To me, it was just like Al and Sam, they knew each other you know, and and there were those standout episodes that I remembered from from childhood, whether it was the JFK episode or or you know the, um, the leap home two parter, especially the Vietnam side of it. And so I had those memories, and I had um, uh, you know a clean, a clear distillation of what the feel of that show was, more so than like even just the the details and mechanics of like how the technology worked or waiting room and all that stuff. It was the feeling of it and what it felt like at the time, which in a lot of ways I think is even more important than the granular details of like how stuff does or does not work mythology-wise because absolutely a, a lot of those rules changed as that show went on. But uh, <laughs> the soul of it is, I think, what really sets it apart from other other series and and really left a mark on people. And so I was honored to come aboard because for me, it's, it's an exciting challenge to try to honor something that came before that you do have a lot of respect and reverence for. At the same time, trying to tell a new story for a new time, maybe in potentially large new audience that is making its own path while still, you know, uh, paying homage to what, what came before and, and building with respect on where that came from. Because we've all had probably experiences with, you know, stuff we grew up with where like they'll they'll resurrect it and just Frankenstein it to death. And so I think everybody, when I came on board, it was the room, everybody had varying degrees of memories or experience with the original show, but I think there was definitely a template of, like, we're going to add add 21st century storytelling mechanics and some of the serialized elements that have become sort of more commonplace and more welcome in the TV landscape now, but also keep that hope, that humor, and that heart from the original series. And, uh, and I'm not, you know, I, I thought I was just blown away by Ray, especially because I felt like mm. he, ha- he was a spiritual successor in every sense of the word, you know, like... Mm. Uh, I thought, and I just thought all the creative choices were smart in terms of not trying to photocopy and Xerox the same dynamic and the same exact characters, but just the sense that those characters still exist in our world and and influence it in in ways both physical and just metaphysical, you know, is it enriches the story and and makes it exciting to tell stories because, uh, you know, some of these surviving characters from the original show have. I don't want to say trauma, but they have. there's a burden of what we... You know, I, I remember that ending as a kid and thinking think that was the most yeah. depressing thing i would ever, <laughs> ever seen on yes. TV. I, I just like, you know, and so, but it, it creates, you know, and now with hindsight, I understand that, you know, for Don and, and the team back then, not bringing Sam home was sort of, that was right for them, even though it might've been a, a big downer for us audiences, but it was also, it creates an interesting... Not cautionary tale, but it, it creates an interesting history for our characters now to deal with as as we may or may not have lost somebody forever in the present. So, that's a long-winded answer your question
0: no it was, mm-hmm. it was a wonderful answer and, and it answered you know one of my questions was was certainly going to be your familiarity uh with the the original series and and so i, I appreciate that that answer uh it, it did make me think though did you revisit any of the classic series um yeah. you know when you were preparing for this yeah were there any particular episodes uh that you that you like went right for or was it just kind of yes. uh, watch them all
1: <laughs>
3: no yeah i mean it didn't have to watch them all because of the pace we were working but um the lead mm. back is definitely a standout and a favorite of mine just because it, um, it was playing some new, new dynamics for the rules of the show in terms of who's the hologram and who's the leaper, but also, uh, <laughs> opening up a, a window into Sam's personal life that we didn't fully know about. that was really exciting and kind of an epic ending to that story and, and bittersweet and, and, uh, and powerful and, and uh, and Deborah's great in that episode as Ziggy. Uh, some of the lines in that are just yes. hilarious. Um, so I think Leap Back is is sort of I think in a weird way I don't know why I picked it to rewatch, but it felt in a weird way Leap Back of the original series is is an interesting paradigm uh, that that lines up with ours, right? In terms of sure. seeing both sides mm-hmm. of the leap in, in a way. And it wasn't the only episode to do that, but it was the emotional core of that of Sam and. Donna on the team and, and trying to get him back and all that felt, I don't know, there, there, there felt like a strong parallel to what we were doing in this new series, even though we're, you know, again, telling a, a, a new story with it, its own mythology. So that's definitely my favorite episode, I'd say.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting because I, that's actually something that I don't know that I'd really thought a lot about, frankly, with the dynamics between Sam and Donna in that episode. And then obviously the parallels between Ben and Addison, you know, in the the current series. Um, and just I think it plays really nicely into what you were talking about, too, with those. The, the spirit of the show being almost more important than any sense of like canon or, right. you know, particular plot devices that may or may not have been used consistently in the original to begin with. Um, but speaking of some of those things, we asked Dean about this when he was uh, kind enough to, to visit us on the show. Uh, obviously, there are some fans that have asked a lot of questions about specific elements of the original series, the waiting room being a big one. And I love Dean's answer about, you know, the writers as a whole, leaving room to explore that potentially, you know, it's not, the door isn't closed on that, so to speak. Um, Are there specific elements that you are interested in perhaps exploring, if you can even talk about that um, from the original series that we've not yet seen? Yes,
3: but I cannot tell you what
0: they are.
3: Uh, I think what's cool about it and, and, what's cool about the original series among so many you know bold and 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 sort of boundary pushing creative choices that they made season to season is that they would break their own rules and change things but there was um they they gave themselves the freedom to sort of create new pieces and layers to to the mythology at, at, at different times and so and that's part of the reason why like what kind of you know mind leap versus body leap and all this stuff is sort of up for debate and stuff. But it also it just it was a way to sort of keep the show fresh for themselves. I'm sure as storytellers. So um, there's a lot to pick from. There's a lot to, to decide what what um, you know what Martin and Dean want to lean into or not lean into. And I think um, I think in a similar way, if you know if God willing, the show goes uh, five seasons. There's there are different tracks that are that are that we can that we can reach back for as long as they're servicing our characters now in the present and in the story that we're telling now and not just i think that's that's the goal right is to is to tell a story for both because you know even a lot of people who are like yeah quantum leap I, they you know a lot of people i talk to like they mainly remembered it and don't have the details of it exactly or there's people i talk to who uh you know time travel is a minefield for them they just but they love just seeing you know Ben in the leap so it's I think we're, we're having, we're in, I personally am enjoying the challenge of trying to both uh, honor what came before and, and tell a story for new viewers at the same time and finding that, that middle ground has been fun. And, and even in an episode, like somebody like Be- uh, somebody up there likes Ben, um, you know, we kind of made some choices in that episode about what kind of leaps we're doing. And, but I think it's, it. I'm, I'm proud of those choices because I think that the, uh, that it, it furthers the idea of walking in somebody else's shoes if you literally are. And also it, that Ben is getting a serialized cumulative experience through these leaps that with Sam with constant, you know, um, Swiss cheese brain, like things didn't get lost episode to episode. But I think that's been really exciting as a, a journey of identity for this man who is uh, trying to, to do good in, in the past to affect the future and how he's changing, you know, episode by episode, these, these, whether it's the skills, experiences of the people, these things are sticking with him in ways that I think are going to be fun to keep, you know, referring back to.
0: Yeah. I think that that's, that, that's something that we've certainly picked up on. And uh, I know that some of the thematic elements that have been, you know, slowly tied together throughout the course of uh, the season thus far, certainly with, things like you know found family versus your real family and and certainly kind of you know the idea of of those not to use too cliche of a term but the sins of the past and and you know certainly with a character like Janice some of the stuff that I think that you specifically have gotten the chance to explore with her has been fascinating for us we actually did an episode a few weeks ago um with uh, a guest uh, co-host and you know she, her favorite thing about the show really is the history of the calavicis and mm-hmm. in particular you know what Janice means to this this iteration of quantum leap um and being that she has such a huge impact in some up there like Ben, and also, uh, you know, some very important moments in fellow travelers. Um, what's that character represent for you in telling this story uh, thus far that you can share with us anyway?
3: <laughs> That's a great question. I'm going to try my best to answer without, um... I mean, you know, I know, I know that having spoken to to Brian and Stephen about this in the past I know their original draft of uh, the very first draft they ever wrote I think of the pilot it, there was going to be a Dean Stockwell cameo and that he literally passed away the same week that they had written that draft and so mm. you know it, it's a shame that we we can't we don't have Dean Stockwell in our in our world but he his memory is indelible and his presence is indelible and I think what's great about Janice is um, To new viewers, she is mysterious and uh, clever and cagey and very capable. And I think to people who are familiar with the show and know uh, how Janice uh, came to this world in many ways or respects, there's an inherent um, uh, allegiance to, you know, what her father created. And what it represents and what it means to her, and so I think she is somebody who is uh, both morally ambiguous but extremely capable. And listen, Al was also perfectly willing to cut corners and break the rules all the time, anyway. So <laughs> yeah. I think she has she has aspects of her father, and she has her own her own um, ideology and personality. And I think she's a fun character right for because at least I think I know. I, we all talk about it, but we all feel like we understand what matters to Janice and, and what she's willing to do and that she's just doesn't put up with any nonsense because she is a, a few steps ahead of the rest of us. And as our season goes forward, we're, we're going to catch up to the, what the what's going on. And obviously episode nine fellow travelers does really episode eight, the end of the episode, eight gave us a big piece of what Ben's trying to do. But I think what's nice about fellow travelers is that we're kind of with the fact that that can't be Ben's mission and Janice's mission don't feel exactly same, and nor right. should they, because they have different relationships and allegiances and all those things. But uh, but I I think um, I think she's a badass character, and I I just I think Georgina does an amazing job playing her, and it's it's fun to have somebody out there who also balances out the spiritual alchemy of our cast. Quantum mm-hmm. Leap is a very sort of mm-hmm. old fashioned good and evil hopeful kind of um band of characters right that are that are they're trying to put right what went well wrong and and so it's nice to have somebody who's a little more slippery and maybe willing to do things that we're not that is not within that same moral high ground um for her own reasons that that are probably very justified so i'm not answering your question exactly because <laughs> we're, not, we're not all the way through the season but i think uh i i think for a lot of fans of the original i think I think what Janice may or may not be doing is uh, perfectly in keeping with the daughter of Al Calvici, you know, for sure.
1: Yeah. If I can I,
3: jump in and ask a question
2: real quick, I'd just like to step back broadly, like, like what you can talk about because you have already established it somewhere up there. Like somebody up there, like Ben drops a lot into the new mythology. Like that's the episode where we learn that um, he is building up like a slingshot. Ben is building up a slingshot effect to take him, somewhere 10, maybe 20 leaps, which by the way, I, I just love that out in case, in case you only got a half a season or one season. Right. Uh, and, and then we got a, a, a huge chunk of Ben, uh, of Beth and Janice's dynamic, because that's where Janice goes to visit Beth and stills the tech and, and yeah. all of that. And I'm just kind of curious, like you're the process in the writer's room, like, as far as like, you're writing the individual leap story for each episode, but also you have to have these story bits for the for the new mythology, for the new serialization that you're dropping it along the way. How does that process work in the writer's room of like figuring out like, okay, you're writing this script, we need to drop these beats into the
3: episode? That's a good question. I think um I think in the early going, some of that stuff was more like we were still sort of fighting our way with some of that stuff. Like there's elements that were gonna be in episode three that wound up in episode four, and things were sort of still shifting around just in terms of we had our own characters at HQ, we have Magic, we have Ian and Jen, we have elements of their backstory we're still starting to starting to poke at that, like in Magic's case, does relate to Janice and the CalVGs and the program. And, uh, and so I think in the early going, we're, we're still trying to juggle what is on the mystery track of trying to figure out why Ben left and also figuring out how do we start explaining and, and exploring for the modern audiences who aren't as familiar you know, who Magic is and what Magic's relationship to this program um, is really is really based on. And so um, I think, uh, y- you know, we try to come up with things that would would both propel our characters in their journey to try to figure out what happened to Ben that could also fill in gaps. And then, um, but we also try not to lean too heavily on that and make sure that we're taking time. You know, episode four is, you know, um, we look, you know, it's a scene of magic and Ian in a park having a conversation, as opposed to us running down mystery clues. But I think we're trying to reward the patience and the curiosity of the viewers as to what this big mystery was that we began at the top of the season. And obviously, even if you get to the end of um, uh, Fellow Travelers, we're not clearly we have not answered all of the details and the questions of what Ben is trying to do. So I think just on a, on one level, like we're we're telling a mystery story, so every mystery has to slowly. Unveil itself and you don't want to give away the goat right away or even halfway through, but you need to make sure that there are revelations planned that will be satisfying or intriguing. So I think it's a, it's a mix of like making sure we're furthering our own characters and also making sure that our characters are doing their jobs, which is figuring out why, why Ben did this and, you know, what is uh, what is the threat and what's 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 motivating him to, to, to lead through time. So it's sort of going back and forth between those two. Those two things, because they're the same thing. It's still character at the end of the day. It's magic, and Ian and Jen need things to do on screen because they are they're, our, they're our HQ team, and they need they need missions, and they need to be active. But we also need to get to know them. So I think that's just been the um, the hopscotch of the season is sort of like learning about them, but also making sure that they are good at their jobs, which is to figure out or or secure the facility and figure out why it's been breached and all that stuff. So. That's sort of been a back and forth and, and a fun one too, because um, sometimes they don't succeed and they get stuck in elevators, and sometimes they wind up in billies and have uh, a of Sure. Lunch. <laughs> uh,
0: man, there are so many questions exploding in my head, so I'm going to try and, and, and separate them out into a manageable manner. Um, you mentioned the the potential for the Dean Stockwell cameo having been written into one of the drafts, and that that's new information for us. And, and we like to think that we're pretty up on things. So you know that's that's a a big uh, piece of information to have. And and knowing, of course, the again the connective tissue that Janice represents, um, because unfortunately Dean is no longer with us. Uh, I don't know. It almost magnifies that in a way, like her presence and, and the importance of her presence. In the series, um, one of the things about somebody, but also just, there, just like, if I can jump in, she's she's pretty course.
3: important. The fact that we we bring her up in the like in the pilot, she's brought up as the prime suspect, right? So I think there was right. always going to be a Calavici presence that really tied into. Uh, that's what I that's what I surmise is like there was going to be somebody there who was on the outside of our core cast that had information is what is what I'm guessing was the was the impulse there imagine mean, I didn't write it but, uh... right.
0: because because let's face it, it wouldn't have been likely that you know that Al would have been the one helping Ben, you know if that was still kind of the the way that things were going, you still would have needed someone else, and there's all likelihood that Janice could have still existed. It's not that you know without. Al's presence they they they're substituting that with with Janice I mean you could have still easily had had both um but uh one of the things I think that I landed really strongly for a lot of fans in somebody up there like spin was the scene between Janice and Beth and Janice's choice to you know to drug her own mom and to steal the hand link uh and the hand link of course making its appearance was was a huge thing as well I as I was watching it it's funny I was at a concert when the production photos were uploaded to the NBC website where we get like the screeners and everything. And I just looked down at my phone and I was flipping through them before the concert started. And I saw the picture of Beth lying on the floor and Janice standing above her. And I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, I can't believe they posted this. And then I kid you not, I don't know if you're aware of this or not. They took it down. And and, and I, I told Dennis, would. I, would, I would hope so. No. I thought he was crazy because by the time <laughs> yeah, I got Dennis there, an hour like, later, you're a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right. like, yeah,
3: nah,
2: yeah.
0: But then, of course, the episode rolls around and the scene is there. And so now I feel I'm like, oh, I'm vindicated. It actually happened. Yeah. Now I had a little time to prep myself for it in a way because I saw that photo. I loved it and I loved that scene. So I would love to hear your perspective. You know, on on the writing of that scene, on on you know what that scene means for uh, for not only for Janice but for Beth as well, and how that reflects on the project mm-hmm. prior to you know the beginning of the series uh, that, sure. we're, that we're seeing now.
3: Well, one thing I should say is is um, it's always nebulous when people watch an episode of tv they'll see a writer accredited but no one ever knows the exact combination of contributions that go into an episode and i can say that you know martin and dean had a lot of amazing input into episode three um like martin had the idea about the gravitational assisted you know
1: mm.
3: a thing and um uh time travel acceleration and then um and i think i believe it might have been dean who came up with the idea of the lie about because if you watch episode two um actually we might have cut it out there was a line no we cut it out too there was something we cut out um between beth and magic that 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 made it seem something else something else happened in the past and you no know, because what really happened was episode one we hear that that janice was denied a spot on the quantum leap project mm-hmm. for personal connection and i remember earlier on in the room i was like but magic has an extremely personal connection <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and in talking about that, you know, somehow we got to this idea that that was a lie, that mm. Beth did not want her daughter anywhere near this project, which made all the sense in the world, because what I think is great about Beth is, is A, it's great to see uh, Susan back on, on TV, but also mm-hmm. um, her position on this project is, is very complex, but incredibly justified, which is, I don't think, you know, we all have our different ideas, right? Like everybody has their ideas of their own headcanon. I don't think like Al Calvici like drank himself to death and was miserable after Sanders appeared. He had a family, he had a wife, he had a legacy, but he also didn't have his friend. And so that is a, that's the pain that never goes away. That's something that never leaves a guy like that. Whose friendship was so, so integral to who was as a person. So the, the legacy of this project is complicated, right? It has done so much for so many people, but I think as Beth might say in episode two, um, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a cost to doing the right thing. You know, there's, there's a price people have to pay. And so a price has been paid and that totally affects the way Beth looks at this program. And, and Janice has her own point of view, which is that maybe I could have actually not been a cautionary tale like Sam Beckett. I might have actually succeeded. You know, who knows what could have happened if I'd been in charge. So these are two strong points of view in a scene, which is good because nobody's entirely right or wrong. Beth is right to try to protect her daughter from the sort of tragic sort of um, not curse, but like this program's a little curse. We've had, we've lost two people. Right. Um, and, and Janice is brilliant and, and deserves to live her own life and make her own choices and not be sabotaged. So it was a great way to show uh, what Janice is capable of and that she's uh, rightly pissed off, but also that, um, that there are secrets on top of secrets in terms of what, what has transpired in the last, you know, uh, 20, 30 years. So um. I think yeah, it was a great way to sort of, you know, give Beth Beth the secret and to let let us get a sense of how far Janice is willing to go. And then I just selfishly wanted to marry the technology, of the two shows. I thought it'd be really great mm-hmm. to sort of, um, bring the past and the present together. And so, um, and uh, and I was so happy when we got to pay it off in Margarita's episode, um, Eve Little Faith, when yeah. she actually popped in. But but it was fun, like, this idea of, like, oh, like, I remember pitching, like, what if Janice is building her own imaging chamber, and she's going to try to break into Ben's leaps. And that was just a fun way to, again, these to, these toys already exist, and we're finding new ways to implement them and, and try new things. And so, um, and we're a show about the past and the present and the future, and we're literally interfacing with our own, uh, our own mothership's past. So. Yeah, I think it was a great way again just to get a character, but also to further Janice's mysterious mission and get get the viewers intrigued. And it was fun seeing response to that because I think people really enjoyed the episode, but they also saw that we were, you know, trying to um, try to tell a really interesting, cool story, but we knew where we came from.
0: Um, here's a question that you are, of course, free to no comment us on, uh, but it's the question that, that, uh, I have you know, really been wondering a lot about, and, and I know that others have as well. Does, is Beth aware of the circumstances of how, you know, she and Al ended up together and that there was a pass where they did not end up together and that, and how aware is Janice of the fact that there's a timeline. And where she was never born. And that well, I'll <laughs> owe all that to Sam. <laughs> uh
3: you know, you what you'd be asking for in that case is my opinion, because I don't think we've stated any Ooh. of that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. so I, I have opinions on that stuff. And I think sure um um but I'm not sure I could I probably shouldn't comment because I don't know what we're <laughs> saying within the world of the show, but I but I do. I certainly have strong opinions based on what what transpires in mirror image. I think it feels to me like, you know, Beth is fully cognizant and lucid about what's happening at the end of that episode. So um, yeah, but I, 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 I couldn't say only because I can't speak for where the show is going in terms of those decisions, but I think of the possibilities of that are really rich, really interesting, and I hope we can dive into those. Nice.
0: Um, you, you, mentioned earlier about, you know, the past, the present and the future. And I think that one of the things that the show has done so wisely is, uh, you know, open up a pathway to the future, um, and, and utilizing the time travel to get there and it not just being about going to the past. And I know that that's something that based off of interviews and little snippets here or there, that that was something that they were thinking about doing should the original series have gotten a sixth season, um, can you talk a little bit about the decision to have, you know, to have the future be a possibility in the show so early when it was something that, yeah, that the original series never got to.
3: Um, hmm, what can I say about that? I could say, uh, <laughs> say that. I can that, say that one of the joys of this show is using this really fantastically rich and challenging framework of of our lead leaping out at the end of an episode and and carrying that forward at the top of the next. That already is a great, fantastic premise uh, in and of itself. So we always know that's going to be a fun challenge for us as writers to come up with exciting or interesting or new and fresh places to put our lead, put Ben. And then on top of that, I think what's fun is, okay, we're doing a a continuation of something from 1989 through 1982. So you know this room is full of sci-fi fans you know what i mean like if anything we had to pull back a little bit on going too far uh too early you know with some of the ideas and like really satisfy this rich formula first and and make it and 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 execute it properly before we start you know innovating and remixing things so i'd say that even though we we bring up some of these ideas early on we haven't really broken too much formula too much, but at the same time, I think that's that's our jobs as storytellers in 2022, soon to be 2023. Actually, sorry, we're in the past right now. If you're watching this, it's 2023, <laughs> uh, or you're coming back like six years later and it's 2029, and you're just like, "What happened to the show?" But um <laughs> but we're our job is to sort of find ways to sort of reinvigorate um, the rules and and ch- and change them and find new stuff to do that makes us as fans of science fiction, which is you know a long road paved by many great stories, series, films, novels, how we can further some of those ideas and take them in new and exciting directions. And I think when you get to the end of this season, because I do know where we're going, I think you'll find that we have found a great marriage of um, you know, the, the, the formula of what quantum leap is and also bring a modern sci fi uh high concept brain to some of these great stories and keep but without losing the heart. And so I think Rules some rules are meant to be broken and, and they were even in the original series, you know, like Sam went back into his great grandfather and fought in the civil war. Yeah, so right. like at, at various points as storytellers, you got to push the envelope and try something different. But it's about timing and, and when the right time is to to do that stuff. And so um, and and there's lots of things that we've got this season, but also like there's places we can go in future seasons that will keep it fresh while also keeping the familiar spirit intact. I would hope. Sure. I want to shift gears a little bit and ask about rules of a different kind.
2: So when <laughs> on our show, when we talked about the original series, we talked a lot about the idea of consent and how much mm-hmm. that conversation has changed in the last 30 years in a such that that we now actually have those conversations as 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And we talked a lot about how Sam often got romantically involved with people on his leaps and how that would be very problematic uh, by today's standards just for the fact like the people that he's in that he's getting involved with don't know who they are really getting involved with right and it's obvious in the new series that you are handling that in a very different way even in mm-hmm. like somewhere up there like ben and, and fellow travelers there's there's also a scene where where carly tries to initiate something because there's a romantic interest between carly and jack what are the conversations about that like in the writer's room and talk about like how how to navigate that like how far to push it and and mm-hmm. how to acknowledge that idea
3: yeah um well i don't want to say too much because you know things can change you who knows but I, I would say that we're we're definitely aware that you know some of those things in 2023 as we're watching this now would be <laughs> uh could could be a little icky and at the same time um Raymond Lee's a really handsome guy, and he's a really, really charismatic guy. And and just like you know, Scott Bakula was was super sexy, and and people watching it back then clearly at the time were not bothered. They wanted to see, they wanted to see romance in the world of the show. Hmm. Now, the, what makes it easier to sort of avoid I guess that pitfall is the fact that Ben is literally engaged to the co-star of the show. So you've already sort of, and again, these are decisions I didn't make; these were already made, right? But. Um, <laughs> That sort of takes some of that stuff off the table, right? Which is that he's he's in a committed relationship; his fiance is literally in these leaps with him. So you, you're not going to you're probably not going to fool around too much when you're leaping through time with your spouse. <laughs> uh, at the same time, you know, uh, we want to be fun and escapist, and, and 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 there's a romantic feel, and I don't even mean a like a sexual romance vibe, but like there's a romantic sure. energy to the this this hero who goes through time and helps people and finds himself in hot water and, you know, has to, has to think his way out. And so you don't want to lose the fun. And, and at the same time, also like we have got an Asian American lead on television and, you know, there's a, there's a very unfortunate history of Asian American men on television being desexualized and not being given those opportunities. I remember wow. watching yep. an interview with Daniel Day Kim when Lost was on. He said, I've been acting for 25 years. This is the first time I've had a kiss on screen in my entire career. So mm. we have to be aware of those things too, right? Which is that like, we don't want to, fall into those traps at the same time. So I think sure. the goal is to is to keep it fun and 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 keep it and, it and it is sexy. It is fun to sort of jump into a new identity and 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 be in a in a situation you're not even sure how you got there or somebody's in love with you. And you know, obviously we're it's this is television, everybody's really attractive. But at the same time we're trying not to to let the character of Ben uh do anything that he himself would not feel comfortable doing, you know. Um, so I think it's just kind of watch, walk, walking that 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 path and try not to not to make it too big a misstep. But I think it's also fun to see. It's fun to see the affection people have for the lead post Ben is in. You know, like in sure. they're like Ben, like they like Ben, like you know, she really is in love with this guy. <laughs> like she really, um, she's in a bad situation. She really wants to get out. Like and we cast this Danielle, the actress we cast, is just so sweet and so winning. And so you're like. You're kind of rooting for them even though he's not going to stay and so um so i, I think we try to have our and eat it too without doing anything too icky is my short answer
0: i th- yeah i think that that's something that we've seen and i think fellow travelers is a great example of that too because there is there's definitely chemistry between you know j- between the actors you know uh not even just the characters and 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 it it it's palpable and that romantic element is certainly not sacrificed just because there's not necessarily the level of physicality that we might've seen like in the classic series. Um, One of the things that that kind of makes me think of is that, you know, I feel like in both of these episodes that, 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 you know, you have the writer's credit on uh, that, you know, you have some amazing guest actors, Uh, not that the rest of the episodes don't, but I mean, you know, John Chaffin in particular. In, oh, my God. John, like John.
3: <laughs> thank God for John. I'm just, you know, I remember Deborah, Deborah Pratt came into the writer's room at one point and said, just, you know, Martin brought her in just to talk about, like, what, what can you share with us in terms of just how to think about what we're doing? And, mm. and she said, like, you know, whoever's in that episode every week, they are the co-lead. They're not a guest star. They're the lead with Ben, you know with sam and i think that's what's so fun about these actors coming to quantum leap is they're yes they're guest starring i booked a guest starring role on on our show but they're going to be the lead with raymond every week yeah and so that's very exciting for them and also terrifying for us because if we don't get the right actor you know it's gonna you know it's not gonna be a great story Mm -hmm. the story we want it to be so when john chavin came you know he's John is an amazing actor. He was so thrilled to do that part. Like he came up to me the first day on, on episode three and was just like, he was so grateful for the part because they had, A, you know, it was a very fully dimensionalized, for a 42 minute program, there's a lot to Daryl that you might not get in a normal guest yeah. star, you know? And um, and I loved Daryl. Like I was just, I was always excited about Daryl I <laughs> terrified we wouldn't get the right guy because you needed to find somebody who could, be, you would believe at that time, you know, 1971 or 1972, whenever we set the episode, you wanted to believe he went to Vietnam and came back. You want to believe he was a fighter. You want to believe he was a big brother. You want to believe he was an orphan. And not every actor who reads fits all those um, elements. You know, their look might be different. They might not read like they've been to war and back. John has this timeless quality. John, if you're watching, shout out to you, brother. But like, he really, he's going to be in Perry Mason season two soon. He's amazing. He's a his face and his voice, he's got this, this Keith David energy to his voice that just lets him exist and, and cast that spell of disbelief that he's a man at whatever time you're, you're watching the story and he has this heart and that's what was important about Daryl. Daryl's like the big brother, like I never, I'm a big brother, but I never had a big brother, right? So if I did, i want someone like Daryl who like, no matter what happened to Daryl, he would still give somebody else the opportunity he never had. You know, he would try to give that to, to his younger brother. So, Finding someone like John, amazing. Then you get to episode nine, and I mean Deborah Ann Wall. Mm-hmm. I cannot, believe we got her. I really can't believe it. I, I credit Dean um, Dean Georgaris, our our, our co-showrunner, like he 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 like really cut a scene out of the episode just so we could make sure we could get Deborah into the episode. And I knew that Deborah was like you know when we when we landed on who that character was because there were different iterations. She was. She was a different kind of singer at different points in the, in the process. But when we landed on this sort of sort of Stevie Nicks type of thing, I don't know why, but Deborah popped in because Deborah has this quality when she's on screen. You, you're worried about her. You care about her. You want good things to happen to her. You don't want bad things. You know, whether it's True Blood or Daredevil, she just instantly connects to the audience with those eyes. And so when we got her, I could not believe it because, A, I knew like that's half the job of the episode right there, right? And she's gorgeous and and so, so skilled in her in her instrumentation of how she actually moves through a scene and, and really plays, plays through it, you know, physically, spiritually, emotionally, every way. But she, you care about her instantly. And that's our job, right, is to make you care about people you don't know within a teaser, you know, within an act <laughs> first act, you know. So um, and I knew she'd be she'd be great with Raymond and she was. So I was thrilled not just with. Deborah, but also um, Carissa Lee Staples, who plays Jamie, um, just destroyed me on set when yeah. I had the big scene. I was just so moved um, by, the, by their work together. So, you know, we, we knew we were building to that that duet at the end of the episode and we wanted it to feel like we earned it. And so, yes, I feel very lucky on on three and nine that we got that caliber of performer to come in. And because Raymond's always going to give us 110% because that's, that's the guy that he is. Mm-hmm. He's also... I don't know how much people talk about this. He's an incredibly generous actor. He's smart enough to know that the success of every episode hinges on what he's, what he's, he's, who he's playing against and, and, and what he's giving now and vice versa. So he's an incredibly generous actor, regardless of the experience level of who comes on, whether they're super green, first big role, or a character actor who's been around for a long time. Raymond is always giving 110% of himself in the scene to that actor and welcomes everybody in a way that really makes it feel like i remember the boxing episode like the guy playing uh danny who's you know in reflections and fight footage and stuff he was he really like they all really felt that they were family you know this it was like you know us against uh the world a little bit and it was a really great vibe and that always your number one in your call sheet sets that tone and raymond just I cannot I can't speak highly enough of him. He's just an, not just an amazing actor and a great guy, but really like the right leader in so many ways for this series.
0: Yeah, I I mean we love him uh, unabashedly. I think that the work that he does is is phenomenal. And I see exactly what you mean. I mean, two scenes that stand out for me in particular in both these episodes are the jail cell scene in Somebody Of Their Likes Ben. I mean, that scene to me. That and this is nothing against the first two episodes, which I really enjoyed. Uh, but that scene to me was like the first moment when I really sat up and was just sort of like, Oh, yeah, this is it, like this is the stuff right here. And and it was because of everything, you know, it was it was yeah. the way that the, the story had moved in that direction, the writing, the acting, the you know, just the, the heart of it was it was so wonderful. And then in 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 Fellow Travelers, I, I think it's wonderful because there are a couple of scenes in particular, uh between raymond and deborah that i really love there's the the balcony scene where they go out and they have the conversation during the party and then there's a scene at the end um you know where again it, it, it's just this fun romantic moment where it's clear that what carly wants from jack uh it, you know is 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 also what ben wants for jack you know and, and it's <laughs> a yes, moment he's opening like... a door yeah he's opening
3: a door i mean right I mean... right David, our director, came up with that that reflection beat at the end. And I thought it was a very clever idea of just that there's there's a pride Ben takes in the fact that he's leaving these people in good hands who who have not really been fully aware of what's going on, but he knows there's a happy ending in store for that person when they, you know, come back. Uh yeah, I mean, it, it's it's I think what's fun for me as a challenge as storyteller is like what is a story that gives a an emotional journey of some kind to ben and i thought that you know with three and with nine i think that was that was sort of the goal from how they were built you know like um actually what's interesting about three is three started as a completely different leap that we will that was much more tied into history that we will hopefully get to um someday uh (laughs) ended in a similar place which was a a really epic moment between ben and addison at the end of the story that felt like something was awakening in him, right? Because he didn't yet know really who he was or who he was leaping with, and um, and I I think that scene at the end uh, in the boxing ring with the two of them alone is just so beautiful. It actually wound up being yeah. one of my favorite scenes of the episode, just when she tells him you're not you're not coming home, and he has to reconcile that and asks, "Will you leap with me?" It's just a beautiful, beautiful performance, and they're both so great in that scene. But again, it's like you know Ben gets to the um, ben can't go home, right? That's the whole show. But so so in these leaps, I like to find stuff that give him something that he's missing or let him give someone else something that he can't have. So in three, like he gets to have a brother. He never had one before. And he finds something to fight for, not just within the leap, but also in his own memory and his own soul, right? That's that's why he gets back up is there's somebody's voice and he doesn't know who it is, but it's Addison's. And then in nine, you know, he is, I chose bodyguard for that. So specifically as we knew, we were going to explore the answer, um, which was why Ben Lip was to save Addison. And that would not, that's a, that's a weird answer for, for Addison to hear that like I'm an, uh, me, the, you know, military person who has plenty of trainers, how I handle myself, I'm the one in danger and you didn't tell me and you just went out like, you know, why, why am I not involved in this decision? This makes no sense, but also there's a, you know, there, there's a unilateral decision there that sort of removed her, and now he's in charge of somebody else's safety, right? And he is having to make unilateral decisions and decide what, what to tell them, what not to tell them. And it was a great way to confront his own choices in the past, which he still doesn't fully remember. We still haven't fully revealed, but this is what we know so far. So both of those allowed Ben to sort of confront, uh, you know, what, stuff that he's missing or, or yearning for. And in nine he gets to give people you know he gets to give people these reconciliations and these reconnections that on a physical level he cannot have you know he can't embrace addison and hold her close but these two sisters can come together you know they can have their you know they can they can move on from the past and they can um have a life together and deborah i'm sorry not uh, deborah's character uh, carly gets to have a choice in her own fate. She chooses to go on stage because that's her agency, you know, and yeah. that's she didn't get Addison. So it's always fun for me to find those emotional conduits that are both right for the story we're telling, but also personal to Ben in some way. Because again, it's, we, we get to serialize his journey. That's a really great aspect of the new show.
0: I, I love the idea that you know, that in, in episode nine, and I believe episode four, it it happens a bit too. And I mean, there's other moments, but those two stand out to me uh, where we get the opportunity to have, basically have Ben and Addison having a conversation Mm -hmm. without really having a conversation because Ben is still talking to, you know, whoever he's in the room with. Um, And I I love those moments. I, I also love that. I feel like there was not necessarily a clear cut judgment made over whether or not Ben was right to do what he did or wrong to do what he did. And I love the room that that gives the viewer to, you know, make up our own minds, uh, as opposed to being told that, like, Ben was wrong. He should not have done this. And Addison is absolutely right to be pissed off. I think that the lovely thing is, is it's like, you know, Addison's right to be upset, but maybe Ben was right to do what he did maybe he wasn't, you know, and I, and I just, I, I love that. And I have a feeling, you know, my, my faith in, in, in you all in the writer's room, my my faith is, is that that is something that will continue. And even once we reach the end of the season, I think we're still going to have a little bit of ambiguity there for us to kind of make up our own minds about, which is one of the things that I love about the work that you've been doing. um, And, and that brings me to the question, uh, can you can you kind of give us a, a a picture of what it looks like to, you know, to break an episode, to, you know, to, to, to break the story, to, to create um, what your guys' process is like uh, in the room uh, from, you know, just kind of getting that first idea to getting it on the screen.
3: Uh, it's a lot like this in that we don't, uh, we've never, uh, we, we've conducted the room virtually the whole season. So we met. Oh, like, wow.
1: Okay. Yeah.
3: The writers met once, um, to do a fun backlot tour of Universal. And we didn't <laughs> all meet because one of the writers tested positive for COVID. So it was like most of us, you know? Oh, um, so we we didn't, you know, so we don't have that traditional setup, but um, so there's a lot of emojis of hands uh, in the air of uh, who's in line <laughs> to pitch, uh, pitch. I'd say we, um, you know, in the early part of the season, I think we had certain things that were like, we knew what episode six was based on the production and how we were, you know, so, we had to sort of work around like, well, that's definitely the earthquake, you know, episode. And we know that some of that will change, but most of it will be that. And so you're to, having to time certain things around that. And then I think we're we're trying to think about, um, you know, what can we afford right now? What can we do? Is, is this time for a big one, it's September, a bottle? If it's a bottle, how do we make it really clever and high concept and fun so it doesn't feel uh, just a contained, you know, chamber piece? Um, but it kind of starts with um, both what we need to pick up and, and carry forward and like what's the, what excites Martin and Dean, like what kind of story excites them, you know, because we have lists of stuff we want to do and like Bodyguard was on that list and um, uh, there's some other stuff, I can't remember what's aired yet. There's, there's things that we've, we've <laughs> been crossing out, I'll say that we've, we've crossed a few of them out but we're also like you know sometimes we figure out a new location that we have access to and can we tell a story there so part of it is is um you know what's a great leap and then but what's a great emotional story we can tell within that leap and like what's the story really going to be about what's the journey and what's the what's the heart of the of the dynamic i mean i you know in the case of of 7 they figured out pretty quickly that we were going to air like literally on halloween so that was somebody i, I think it was Marita or I think as Margaret was saying, like, let's do a full-on Halloween episode. Maybe it was Martin, I can't remember, but so sometimes it, it, it goes from the leap and sometimes it's really about like, well, we had that cliffhanger, we got to pick that up and we got to move that forward. Sometimes we have that stuff worked out a little bit. Some of the mythology things that will be coming into focus in in subsequent episodes were already mapped out, just no matter when we're gonna get to them. So, you know, if you know we need to hit this part of the mythology, we want to make sure that the leap we're telling doesn't jam that up in some way. And then we also want to make sure, like, where are we at this point in the season in terms of their relationship? So nine, by by its own nature, had to both have something exciting and kind of big because we're coming back from a break, but also pick up with this answer of why Ben left and what is that? What are our characters' responses to that? What does it mean to the team to hear that Addison might might die? Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, that to me affected the tone a little bit. Like some will be super fun and super light, and some will be a little heavier. And so. And then I think, you know, it's, some will be, um, we'll earn uh, a lower stakes episode that's more character driven and less. uh, And you'll see some more, some of those, as we get into the uh, middle portion of the back half of the season, we've got some really beautiful character driven episodes that are not at quite as high stakes, but, um, but, but touch on new voices and experiences. Uh, and, and, and points of view that are, are much less represented on screen. So um, that's probably a very labyrinthine way of talking about it. But, you know, we, we, we come up with a shape, we build it out in acts, we write up documents that, that say what the script will look like, and then we write it, and we get lots of notes at every stage of that. Um, and then we shoot it and have to change a lot as we try to actually produce it. So,
1: so it's, a, <laughs>
3: it's a lot of time travel, I would say. You're, you're kind of going mm. back... And, if something changes in one episode, we need to adjust it how it opens in the next one. And um, but we're we're all kind of aware of where we're going. That really helps. If we know kind of where we're going and where we need to what we need to land on, that really helps the process of uh of what comes next.
0: So, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about the writing, uh, obviously, but uh, I certainly don't want to neglect the fact that you're also a producer on the show as well. And uh, I believe uh, Dean told us recently that you were like on set, like in that role actively. What does that job look like? Because I feel like you know we, we talk a, a bit about it here and there on the show and with other fans and that sort of stuff, but, you know, we don't know the specifics. So I'm curious as to what that aspect of the job is like for you.
3: Well, the first thing you have to understand is that episodic television directors have a lot on their plate because they're kind of, in some ways, like the substitute teacher. Like, I, I don't go here, but here I am. You know? And <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they have a job to do. It's really tough, which is that like, we've got a finite amount of days, amount of hours, amount of money to shoot this thing and get it, get it in the can. Right. And so that's their priority, is to get this thing filmed and hopefully in a good way and get to good performances and and there are about ten thousand little moments that can get lost in that process that only the writers kind of remember or know, right? Like we know that this moment means this, and we've talked about, we've had a tone meeting with Martin and Dean, what they've talked about. It's important that you know this is the point of this. And there's just so many little things that are important to what goes into that episode and into that cut that can get lost because you know it's it's a it's a real breakneck pace trying to get these days made and get these episodes in on budget, and so you're your job when you're a producing episode is you're sort of right behind the director and offering thoughts on, on, you know, what we need to push this, what direction to push this performance in, what moment we're missing that we need to get, um, how we're kind of coming in and out of scenes and and just thinking about it kind of almost retroactively from a post-production perspective, you know, like having been on two shows before this for th- four and three seasons each, uh, I've been in the editing room a lot. And I, you know, there's, there's, there's stuff you think you want to make sure you get right. Just in terms of moments landing, you know, and, and you can, you can fill a scene a lot of different ways, but like, you want to know that the moment uh, that is, is, is registering, landing the way it was designed on the page or better. So it's, it's a lot of negotiating and talking with directors, making, you know, talking to department heads about costumes, about um, hair and makeup, about, you know what kind of what kind of background we have, what, what what this needs to feel like, and you're just helping answer a lot of those questions with all these departments because you you have you should have a clear uh, vision of what what the episode looks and feels like and what what we're trying to communicate with those choices, whether it's costumes or um, props or anything. So it's just about making sure a lot of decisions get made and, and hopefully uh, an episode comes back. Or and also, when the episode's done shooting, and the director's cut, you can remember and say, okay, I was there. I know we have this and we have that. We can, you know, you Mm. you were there to see all those takes and things happen. So it really helps with the post-production process because you can say, well, if we use this for this part we can steal this and move this around and you'll have that vantage point having been there on set the whole time. And, And then just sort of advocating for things that Martin and Dean would want, you know whether that's making sure that we're scenes have a certain pace, performances have a certain, you know, balance. And um, and hopefully th- that it's good. You know that's that's part of <laughs> job too. Sure. Um, so uh, so in the case of one episode I don't write, I'm I've been paired with a couple of writers who it was their first, I think, first credits both. So, oh, wow. so they they've never been on set before of producing their own episode. You know that they've written. So it's um, and again they they've got there's stuff that they know because they wrote the episode. And there's stuff I know because I've been on set before. So I try to help. Um just you know quality control what we're getting and, and making sure that uh that um that we succeed you know because it's a it's a team effort you know the directors doing stuff we, we can't do we're there to help the director with stuff they don't know there's episodes coming that this is gonna perhaps throw a little glance at that we want to set up get this shot or can we or can we make sure that the context of this so an actor has forgotten that they have a point of view on someone they're talking about and you have to go up and just say hey this person, it acts two scenes to go to you. We haven't shot it yet, but they did. And they've forgotten. So it just helps them contextualize that performance speed of like, oh, that's right. I hate this person. You know, so <laughs> you're just you're there to remember and remind and execute stuff. And um, and we have a great team. You know, um, our ADs, our art department is amazing. That entire hotel that um, Carly's in used to be yeah. Madison's apartment.
0: And they just wow. completely transformed it. Nice. Uh, uh, how much research, uh, are you doing when, you know, especially writing about things that took place 50 years ago or, or or whatnot. Um, and how much of of that is just your complete and total faith in the departments that are in charge of, you know, uh, uh, making it look the way that it should.
3: Well, we have, um, we have assistants on the show. that can help out with some of that stuff in the, in the story phase. Um, we have uh, Annalise, uh, our writer's assistant, Emily, our other assistant, are looking stuff up. Sue, our um, script coordinator, is great at catching stuff that, that doesn't track with other things. But I, I would say that for us, it's like, okay, well, is this a payphone era? Is it like, is the technology that mm. we're inventing to the story or hinging on, does that actually track with this year? Do we need to be in a different year? But I'd say more so, like with 103, um, that episode for me was important to, to get, um, do some research on the actual experience of veterans coming home at that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a YouTube channel from the VA called Making the Connection. That's really extraordinarily informative and moving, where it's just video testimonials from vets of different, um, different conflicts, different wars, different, different tours, talking about their experience with PTSD and what it was like. And And it's interesting hearing about it from different eras. There were African-American vets from from Vietnam. There were, um, you know, soldiers from Iraq or people from Afghanistan. And you really get these interesting portraits of these, like, really, you know, um, tough, masculine dudes who also don't, did not know how to help themselves, you know. And so so that was helpful. And then also there were certain writers in the room who had talked to certain advocacy groups about negative stereotypes and, and avoiding those and making sure that we weren't and it was never our intention, but making sure we weren't painting Daryl in a, in, a, in a light where he was his own worst enemy and destroying his own life and just, you know, unhirable and alcohol, you know. So you have to sort of walk a line between what is um, accurate, also being sensitive and trying to find a balance of those two things. Um, because a lot of those guys, you know, coming back from this conflicts, were self-medicating with alcohol, you know, because yeah. they, there was no, there was no infrastructure for how to really deal with these these problems and, and no conversation in the public quite yet. shell shock was about as much as, people were saying. And also there was so much anti-Vietnam sentiments. So, um, so I'd say for stuff like that, where it's important to get things right, you want to do research into, into that stuff. And then, um, and then and there are certain episodes where like the writer has a specific lived in experience that they want to explore with their episode or something cultural or something um, with their own identity that they want to explore. And that makes them a great resource because they already have that experience as as research, for lack of a better word. So it kind of depends on the episode.
0: Yeah. I, you know, being cognizant and, and respectful of your time, I, I, I don't want to keep you forever, but I do have a few more questions. Um, and yeah. one of which ties into what you were just talking about with PTSD uh, and, and Vietnam. Um, how intentional was it to include those elements? knowing that in the original series you know Vietnam was a huge specter in particular over the first couple of seasons and that certainly the treatment of veterans and and their mental health is something that that show even in the late 80s and early 90s explored um maybe not as in depth as as a show like china beach or something but certainly it was something that they wanted to to deal with um because for me as a viewer and as such a a fan of the original series it certainly felt like uh you know certainly a nod and and a thematic link to to the original series um but you know i just wanted to get your perspective on that
3: well i think I wouldn't say it was like let's let's definitely do Vietnam because of the original series, but we we knew there was a connection. We also toyed with magic having more of a role in that episode that that we didn't end up going with. Um, but magic did did have stuff to do in, in four. But you know there were there were times where we were talking about how can magic help in the story, and it, there wasn't enough room to do all that for everybody. But Addison has her own sure. experience. She's our our co lead, and she's with Ben the Leap, so she really can offer things directly to Ben. So that helps inform certain decisions. But I'd say, um, you know, once you pick an era, just just thinking about some of the the socioeconomic racials, um, power dynamics of that time and the war itself. To me, if we're trying to paint a picture of, of somebody who got a really bad deal, a really bad hand in life, to me, it felt like, you know, a strong, talented African American man being drafted into the Vietnam War, which is not a war. I mean, you think about Muhammad Ali's quotes about this, but like that was not a war that that a man like that would want would want to go fight. Was, was 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 dying to go fight, but was forced to go do that and give up his dream. Th- that it just added a level of tragedy that felt appropriate for where Daryl was coming back from and
0: yeah.
3: how much we would all want to help someone like that who had. Um, gone through all that and still come back, not, not just alive, but, but, um, trying to do something positive with his life, even though he's in so much pain. So for me, it just came from a place of character of, I feel for this man because of what he's endured, but also what he's trying, he's not given up, you know, but he's on a, he has not been able to sort of face, um, how fragile his spirit and his mind are becoming. So that's more where it started, but it, it, it certainly felt like germane to the series because of the original so yeah. um but it just it to me it just felt like the right story to tell for a character who needed help you know and and deserved deserved a bit of good luck and um and uh and yeah it it felt connected to the original but not in a way where we were trying to shed too much light on that like it really felt like it felt like uh, and also 70s are I think I love 70s stuff for because I feel like making it now 80s and 90s are always going to get all the focus because it's it's (laughs) so in now you know for our generation yeah Yeah. but 70s existence nice kind of middle ground between the two shows to me a little bit more somehow even though actually what's really fun about 103 is when when we found out we were going to do a boxing episode i was terrified because i knew about right hand of god and i did not (laughs) how do we not do loan sharks again and and um and nuns, but so i was just happy like anything different was my goal and so that that helped make it make it
2: different so along yeah. those lines i have to jump in and ask was it intimidating at all that when you got fellow travelers you can draw some parallels between that and glitter rock
1: <laughs> no
3: i i uh i actually haven't seen glitter rock but i, I oh wow <laughs> uh so 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 no i it was more uh no one night it was just um you know, can we can we can we cast this right, and can we can we um, can we make it a, a, a satisfying? Um, I don't want to say mystery, but I mean, like, you know, mm-hmm. just making it making it uh, making the, the who done it elements work, but really serve as something deeper, which is, like, can we make us care? Can we make an audience care not just about Carly, but about this other character, Jamie, as well? And it's always. I I I I tried to my wife is a writer in television also and I've tried to explain to her that the innate challenges of writing quantum leap which is that there are a million invisible rules people don't understand when they watch the show they just enjoy the show but like you know there's a lot of rules to quantum leap and I'm not talking mythology I'm talking like you know Ben cannot leap into someone who's going to get an arc because he's going to leave and they're not going to remember it right so it's not about the person he's leaping into per se it's about the person outside of them but then you need to find a relationship between Ben and that person that is that Ben can invest in, even though he's not that person, you know, and historical elements that we don't take credit for entirely, because you can do that with like, you know, uh, a Buddy Holly riff, but you can't do that with like, you know, the Stonewall riots, that would be inappropriate. So there's little things where you have to find the right balances of things. And, and, uh, and and we only have 42 minutes, and we have an HQ story that the original didn't have to service week to week. So we have to be really smart about how we're telling those stories and and who we're focusing on and making sure the audience is connecting with people in the right amount of time. So I think with nine for me, it was like, can we get the right Carly, but also can we get people to care about Jamie as well? So that in that moment, when these two people come back together and you've got an addict saying, I I was sick and I'm sorry. And I really want, I want to make this right. That it, that it feels like something. So I think um, weirdly, that was more the storytelling and also the fact that like, it's always hard to do uh murder mysteries in quantumly because you've got Ziggy, you you, you should know everything. <laughs>
1: For
3: some reason you just don't know whether it's Honeymoon Express, whatever, you know, it's you just don't know everything you need to know. Um, so yeah, it's it's always there's always a tricky, a tricky, sticky wicket to deal with. Sure.
0: I thought that one of the things that fellow travelers did well in that respect, uh, like you said, is 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 leaning into the who and having kind of the swerve um of you know, you think it's it's Trevor, and then, you know, it's like, oh, no, it's not. It's, you know, and, and i and I think that one of the things that that did well is it allowed, again, for a little bit more of that, you know, gray area between the decisions that Ben was making, you know, yep. on behalf- half of addison and and addison's you know anger over that or resentment maybe maybe anger might not be the right word um you know when you get the opportunity to see actors inhabit the you know roles like daryl or carly and jamie do you as a writer do you have any moment where it's just sort of like this is bittersweet because i don't get to write them and write for those actors again
3: <laughs> i i there's definitely um it's less the writing and more so the 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 watching and the collaborating, you know, I, I, um, mm. like, I, I, I think I'm, I'm, I miss Daryl. I miss John. Cause I, I really loved, I loved that character and I loved that actor. And I also thought he and Raymond played great together and, you know, Deborah was like a dream cast for me. So just to get to watch, watch her work, um, you know we were doing the alley stuff like you know she's so professional and she's so like lovely as you would hope that she would be like that quality you see on screen it's not something she puts on it just is who she is in a lot of ways but um the night we did the alleyway stuff she was just on her own and just she was just away until it was time and she came and she was just in that place you know the whole time
1: mm.
3: so i think with any project or any episode that you really uh care about whenever you see actors rise to an occasion that like most of us cannot, can, cannot get there, you know, it, it's a magic trick, that they do a lot of times, you know, from our vantage point. And so when you see what they can bring to your work and elevate it, uh, it's, it's kind of humbling and it's um and you kind of don't want that to end because you get to watch it. You get to watch it and see, see them go to these places. And, and it's the suspense you feel behind the monitor too of like, you know, like, let's say the first take is not the right, tone or the right thing and when they find it you know and it's the same with our cast too like they'll try stuff and then when they find the right tone at right level it's exhilarating to watch so that's always you know that's always kind of a bummer when that's over because you you know it was it becomes a, a fun little adventure that you all go on together and then uh, and then it's on the next and you're back in back in the room
0: what a beautiful answer that, I, I absolutely love that um so to transition to characters you do get to work with again and again, you mentioned earlier about kind of, you know, getting into where these characters came from and, and, and where they were going. Um, you had the opportunity with fellow travelers to spend a little extra time with Jen. And Jen is such a fascinating character to me because I feel like early on she was the, the most indecipherable you know I didn't know a lot about her I didn't know where she was coming from I didn't and 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 you know Nenrissa is great and and the, the testament to that is, is as we've started to find out more about her and she's got more to do like again Nenrissa is great right so I, I'm curious like specifically with with that character but I mean, you can talk about any of them when they do start to open up and you do start to, you know, kind of make these discoveries as a writer, how much of that is influenced based off of what you're getting from the actors and how much of that is just sort of like, you know, the directive from, from Martin and Dean and, and how much of that is just that collaborative process with, you know, with the writer's room.
3: I mean, it's, it's, it's everything you mentioned. I think it's, it comes from everywhere. Um, I'm also just thinking like the episode I'm producing when we come back from break is something you're going to, Probably really enjoy um, uh, Romy, uh, who works has worked with Dean for years. She wrote an episode, episode fifteen this year, that is going to be um, quite a showcase uh, for somebody. But um,
1: <laughs> I'd say, um,
3: you know, I, I think we're all we're all aware that like we 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 need HQ to support what Ben's doing in a way to justify w- w- why we're showing it. But we also want to make sure that those characters are um, continuing to earn their place with the audience. And that and that means giving them stuff that is is beyond just information, but giving them, you know, inner lives and, and histories. But also you have to be careful because if you try to go too far in direction, you might feel like you're taking a detour from the episode. So it's always a, a tricky mm-hmm. thing. Um, sure. Jen and Janice was a great... Um, Pairing for the season because they you know it was sort of our like our little quantity version of heat you know they've just sort of been circling each other the whole time and yeah i was excited to finally get them the same place and and go toe-to-toe a little bit and um and i think yeah i mean nanrissa is just so lovely and funny and uh and 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 quirky and and she's there's a lot of stuff that like even in the pilot that that for time gets cut. And she had some really great moments that, that didn't make it in for time. But we've been trying to get to, to service some of that stuff, talk about who she is, but also there's stuff we realize, we come up with that was not part of the original plan at all. So there's an episode coming later the season where you'd be like, oh, I had no idea that's uh part of who Jen is. And and uh, but it's also deliciously fun. So it's gonna be a real treat. So I think we want to give we, we can't give equal spotlight time to every actor every time on, on the show, week to week. That's the beauty of, of episode television is we can have a great, uh, magic scene or magic moment or, or story. We can do something really interesting with, with Jen, and there's some really great stuff coming for Ian that I can't wait for people to see. Um, uh, that, that both get into who you know Mason's character is, but also who they, um, you know what what they uh i can't say too much but they they have (laughs) they have some really great stuff coming that that we know is there and we're telling them listen i know right now you've got to help us with time travel and schmayans jargon, but there's some great stuff coming that we can't wait to get to because that helps fill in you asked about the writing process it's always great to have movements in a season so it's not just like one treadmill of one thing so i think you know there are movements to this back half of the season that are really exciting that give some of the different members of our cast, different uh spotlight moments and, and chunks of story to play that are gonna be really exciting. And and also like this is the problem. If you order a show straight to series and you write it all and then ship it off to be filmed, you don't get the discovery. So on mm-hmm. an epic show we can see like, oh, you know, Ernie's great with this or you know is great with this or um you know, Caitlin's great with this and we can write, write to this thing. So that's the fun discovery process, right, is, is seeing what they give us, hearing from them, and then what, what Martin and Dean want to do in terms of diversifying their stories um, whilst keeping the main story
0: going. You, you know Ian is someone that you know we love and and I love Mason uh they've been so wonderful to watch uh in some of those little moments where it might just be techno Babble uh you know they they deliver it so well and and there's such a wonderful sense of humor about them there was a line in fellow Travelers that Dean uh, kind of intimated Mason came up with themselves and I'm curious uh uh about the, the gender binary uh, line uh, that they deliver. W- was that Mason? Um, and, and, and what's it like when you have an actor that that is able to come up with something that fits so well and makes so much sense?
3: Well, I mean, what's nice about our cast all across the board is they're very respectful of the work we do as writers. And they'll say like, can I try this with this? In, in, in certain instances, right? Um, But they, but for the most part, they want to follow the flow of the story and the script. But they might have ideas about how to, you know, with Caitlin, for example, having served in the military. If something is not factually correct, she'll be able to say it's actually this. We say this, you know, so she can correct that stuff. That Ian, you're talking about. I think probably what happened, based on what I remember, I'm sure Ian, sorry, I'm sure Mason made a comment or something. Mm -hmm. It got back in the writers' room. We were working on a line, and then we have a fantastic trans activist and writer named Shakina on our show. Shakina was like, I would write it this you know, She so then, you know, we have this sort of melting pot of, of collaboration going on. So that it kind of goes through different channels and then it lands what it is. So there's certain things we're like, you know, what do you does this feel right to you? Or on the day, if we're if something's not feeling right, we'll they'll ask for an alt. And it's like, you'll pitch an alt and we'll, we'll try to find something that feels right, or you know. And that just comes with kind of creating a relationship with these uh performers where they feel like we believe in you and you trust us. And so we can help each other make this feel the way we want it to feel. And we all know what we're trying to do with the story. So how to make it feel right to you so that you can deliver it the right way? But also like, you know, they're not uh, they're not devious about anything either. They're not like I'm not saying this, you know, they're it's just it's a very bet. <laughs> and I mean, like it's it's um and and I'd say. Mason has the hardest job in a lot of ways because um trying to carry all this information in a way that's dynamic and exciting and, and not you know just a block of techno-babble but is but it but offers an insight into Ian's mind and how Ian's mind works is a uh,
1: mm-hmm. is, is a fun
3: challenge that that Mason's always up for. So um yeah we're we're constantly trying to keep it fresh and exciting for ourselves and also we want to write good stuff for them. So it, it it well at the same time servicing what the story has to do week to week
0: Right. The depth of compassion that Ian displays sometimes is so amazing to me. And so, so moving Um, there's so much you could tell below the surface about their relationship with specifically, even though we've never, you know, since the pilot, we've never seen them share this. Right.
3: I Um, I have to say just about that real quick. It's really funny how, you know, I think maybe maybe I might have caught one of your episodes where you talked about this, but or somebody did. But you know, if we hadn't had done the new pilot, you never would have seen this team together entirely. You know, we we just never would have right. seen a family or team at all. And I'm so glad we went back and did that because a I thought the cast sold it incredibly well that moment, and b it, it, in hindsight it's really tragic. But it's it's something that we're we're having to sell all the time now. Is how do these actors sell this idea that? They're longing for someone we don't actually see them with week to week. You know, that they miss this person that you're not actually, you know, um, together with. So I'm really glad we have that new version of the pilot where we did see them all together. But I also am hoping that as our series goes on, we get more opportunities to sort of reconnect them in different interesting ways um, because um, they are a found family. And so we're we're hopefully going to find ways that can, you know, um, better dramatize that.
0: Like maybe putting Ian in the imaging chamber
3: well listen you you can't just write the show yourself <laughs> and ask for what you know like listen maybe in season five I don't know I don't know I don't know yet but I, I, think, I think no I'm uh, I just I'm just kidding there uh, are a million ways listen we it's Christmas as we record you can, you can ask put on your list but I don't know um you know we're, we're gonna we're hopefully gonna be around for a while so we we have one of the joys of having a cast like this is we're gonna find ways to to um to remix and reinvigorate the week to week formula and how we do things. So we have we have limitless opportunities. It's just a matter of when, when we try new things and how we're properly honoring the mechanics of the show and, and the dynamic of the show between Ben and Addison, which is um, you know, speaking of, of lines, I'll just say this, there was one adjustment Caitlin made on 109 that I thought was really powerful, which is uh the scene between the two of them on the patio, the balcony. Uh, the line script it was when she's talking to him when he says, "Is this about us?" Um, and she says, "I can't understand why you wouldn't tell us the person you love." That and she's and the line was, "We're a team, Ben." And and when Caitlin performed, she said, "We were a team," in the past tense. Oh. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and I and, and she was like, "Is that okay?" I was like, "That's so sad, you know, just <laughs> sure we were something, you know, because that's what he gave up by jumping in this machine." So um, so yeah, there's there's lots of there's lots of riches that that our cast offers us that we just have to sift through and you know put together.
0: Yeah, that was an incredibly powerful moment. Um, the The songs in Fellow Travelers uh, did did you write those songs for the episode?
3: Uh, no, um, I'm glad you brought that up. So um, Dean Georgaris, our, our co-showrunner, has a friend who he worked with a composer named Jamie Jackson uh, on a show called Bluff City Law. She was his composer. Ooh. And so when we start talking about this idea, he's like, "I know exactly who to get to do this song." And the the main idea was this idea of a traveler uh, that that Carly sees herself as that the, the lyrics could in some way um, reflect back on Ben's own lonely lonely journey as as a time traveler. And so that was sort of the main gist of it. And she um, and Jamie did an amazing job and um, and got like the. You know, I had a whole Spotify playlist I sent over of like stuff we were talking about as, as sort of reference points and such. But um, and then like her first pass, Dean and I heard it and it was fantastic. And and then we said, and also, we need to be able to turn it into a ballad at the end for her and her sister. And she had a version of that. And I was just like, just make sure it's a little hopeful, you know. And so she did both. They were beautiful. And um, and it was really powerful just watching uh, Ben and Addison listen to that at the end. I got before Sunrise vibes, just watching them sit back and, and listen to the music yeah. quietly. So, um, so yeah, Jamie did an amazing job and we named
0: Jamie after her. That's awesome. Um, this is my, my last question before I, but I hand things over to, to Dennis and then we can get ready to leap out of here. But, um, the line about Al's questionable fashion choices, <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was just fantastic. Thank I'm you. sure there will be some people out there that, that are, that are sort of like, what are you talking about? That's my favorite thing. I, but, I literally uh, shouted, Hey,
2: now.
3: At the
0: screen. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, where did that come from? I mean, other than the fact well, that they were questionable fashion choices. <laughs> well, listen,
3: they're amazing fashion choices. But like you know, if you look at pictures of your parents in any era, you're gonna have it, it's gonna look different. And just as everything you're wearing right now, your kids are wanting to say, "What was with all the you know the, the long sleeve tees?" You know, we're gonna have people are gonna have opinions. Right. About so. Yeah. Who better have an opinion on the past than the now, who had some of the greatest costume choices of all time. So it just felt like it we needed a moment. I wanted there to be a moment of uh just a sweet moment where they where these two people sort of had a, a little tiny microscopic connection. And it felt like uh sort of just chuckling about dad's uh duds was was a fun way to do it. And and it just gave it and it made it showed that Jen saw Al as a person and not just like a, mm. you know, um, a military figure, it was Like he was a, a personality and a, and a person that I think Janice probably fondly remembers. So I think that was that was the and I thought people who remember the show would, would have a, a bit of a shortle about it. <laughs>
0: For sure, for sure. You know what? I lied. I'm going to ask you one more question. Uh, You mentioned Deborah Pratt earlier, and uh, we talked a little bit about her presence uh, with Dean as well. And I would love to hear your perspective because you mentioned, you know, like she kind of came in and, you know, talked a bit about the show what has her presence meant uh, for you and uh, you know how has she kind of functioned at, up until this point point? You know, and we know she's directing an episode obviously she's you know got a producer credit and she's clearly around a lot which we love we love her um but I would love to hear you know just personally uh well I'm mean, professionally as well but like what does she you know, her presence mean for you on the show
3: oh it means a lot I mean it's um I always I, I mean I think it's it's tricky when there's a, a successor to an original show, I think for any, any creative artist. And, um, I think we're really fortunate to have Deborah because she's, she's been trying to do this for a long time. And so, and, uh, you know, it's funny, she just got like the crew, a bunch of, um, quantum leap hats for to, as a congratulations for this, for the season two renewal. She's been trying to do this for a long time and, um, and has a sense of ownership over, over quantum leap and, and, um, and believes in, in what it means and what it stands for and, and what it what, what it should do. And so she's uh she has I she has great ideas. She's also has really important information because it is like I said before, it's a tricky show to write. It's not, it's not um it's not your average time travel show in a lot of ways, right? Because of yeah. the, the mechanism of how it works, the spiritual uh you know, DNA of it and and the balance of tones is something that that um but she knows really well, and um, and she's also a performer too. She's not just a, a, a writer, she's also an actor. So, um, so she's all you know, every time I'm on set for an episode that I'm producing, I you know, Debra's there and she has thoughts on, on, on you know, whether it's background or, or actors or, or backstory for a character or a moment that we, we should get. And also, um, I'm not gonna lie, if she likes your episode, it's a big deal. It's nice to know, like, because you don't want to feel like, you don't feel like we're like. You know that we're not making, um, Deborah, and uh, proud of what what we're doing with responsive. It's a responsibility that we have, right, to continue something that people love and care about, and have a and on a on a deeper level have a childhood love for a lot of us, right? So that's that's the deepest yeah. creative, uh, art- artistic connection one can have, kind of be imprinted on the stuff that we we sell when we were young, and so um, having Deborah's blessing and, and also her guidance has been great. And um, and I'm also excited that she gets to direct an episode because it's furthering her own journey as an artist and a creative professional to get to to direct an episode of this show. And um, yeah, I mean, I I and also it's fun to just ask her questions about what did the room think about this and what were your you know what's your what's your point of view on that and and uh, and what really what was this like? And so it's it's always great to hear those those stories um, right from somebody who was there in the room where it happened.
0: Dennis. Uh
3: drew thank you so much for
2: for doing this we really appreciate it I, I said this when we wrapped up with Dean last week because like I have a ton of questions I want to ask but they're not fair they're along the lines of of, of Sam asking <laughs> are where we we're going to see Ian in the imaging <laughs> chamber and pardon me like because I have some theories like coming out of fellow travelers I just I don't want you to answer them I just want to throw them at you and just okay, see how much of a and see how much of a poker face if you, you have. a
3: poker face here but
2: I don't but right that, but, yeah. that's, but but, but that's I'll give fair. you one
3: I'll give you one I'll give you one and then we'll just see how i, how I respond.
2: One. all right when ben catches up with addison in the future when he's going to save her does he find her in real time or does he find her as a leaper
0: wow Either his connection's wow. frozen or he's really <laughs> I, <frozen>. up <laughs> I, I didn't hear, it. I didn't hear it. um
1: so that's all you would
3: have gotten for all those questions is, is
1: just okay
3: figure.
2: awesome well that's well that's all they uh. needed to know Drew, thank Drew, you so th- much for, for doing you. this with us. We really Thanks for appreciate having
3: it. And, and uh, thank you for just all all the coverage and support of the show. And and uh, we're just happy that people are are enjoying it. And uh, and hopefully we get to make lots lots of them. As the, we're going right into season two, so it's there's no there's no stopping. We're literally going to go right into it. So <laughs> um, so uh, I, I can say that uh, I'm I'm in the future right now, and I can tell you,
1: that <laughs> end
3: of season one is going to be epic and i think everything we're talking about for season two will also be pretty pretty special that's I'm
0: so looking forward to it. I'm so it's wonderful to have something to look forward to, you know, on a weekly basis. 100. Um, and and this has absolutely been been it. Uh, I, I I've loved so much of what you said, and you're brilliant. And and thank you so much for being here. I hope we get the chance to do this again because I have so many more questions. Um, <laughs> and um, you know, we love the show. I love so much about what the show represents, what it means, what it can be, um, yeah. and it's clear. Uh, from the conversations that we've been fortunate enough to have with like you and with Dean and with other people involved with the show that y- you all feel the same way and 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 as you know as and as such big fans and, and people who are you know, devoting time, uh, uh, to, to do this podcast and hope people listen. <laughs> uh, it's really, really gratifying to be able to, to have these conversations and to just see the passion and to, to see the, the intelligence and, and, uh, heart with which you approach the show. So th- thank you so much for your work. Thank, thank you guys. so much for being here. It uh, was an honor.
3: Thank you for, thank you for having me. Thank you for watching and, and, uh, covering the show and, uh, and uh there'll be other some great episodes coming from other writers this season that I that I think you'll really uh enjoy. And um I look forward to your your reaction. So there'll be some I wish I wish we could talk about it now, but I'm in the- <laughs> <laughs> so we'll leave we'll it now. at some point down down the road. But uh, uh thanks so much guys. Have a great night. Thank you Thank
1: so you. much, Drew. Happy holidays. Thanks, Drew. Happy, Happy holidays. holidays. Bye bye.
0: I said this with Dean. I'll say this with Drew. I loved that. Uh, I I love the fact that, you know, um, QLP obviously is, is getting some wonderful interviews with with cast uh, and stuff, and I just love that we've gotten the opportunity to talk w- with with Dean and Drew um, in, in particular. I mean, obviously we also had our interview with Eric uh, Lee Huffman, which was great, and Holly Fields, which was just so much fun. Um, but uh, as far as the you know the new show goes, being able to speak with some of the creative folks has been uh, a blast, and and hopefully is is giving you know the opportunity to to hear some different stuff. Not that we don't want to talk, obviously, to uh, you know Raymond and. Kate Caitlin and, and then Rissa and Mason and Ernie. If you're and listening, else, Raymond and Caitlin uh, <laughs> and
2: and Mason and Ernie
0: face wheel podcast um, yeah, at
2: it, gmail.com face wide wheel and all our socials. <laughs> yeah.
0: Have your people talk to our people, our people, our people. And there are people. Yeah. Um, but no, I, obviously we would love to have conversations with them as well. But uh, the opportunity to to talk with uh, Dean and Drew has been so much fun, and I, I really, again, just thought that Drew was incredibly articulate and uh, provided us with some excellent excellent behind the scenes information um that that went into not only the crafting of this episode but obviously somebody up there likes ben Uh, and just the series in general and just the you know the feeling kind Mm -hmm. of in the writing room and also the idea that he let us know that the writing room like is taking place over zoom um except for like one instance and like in my head that kind of blew my mind because I I just assumed that yeah they're sitting around a table you know having these conversations you know like I I, I, in my mind's eye when I think of a writer's room I think of like Studio 60 from the Sunset Strip like you know Mm -hmm. when they would get into the writer's room and I like that's just the picture in my head and so it's just like oh yeah they're doing this over Zoom Um, and uh, uh, just a lot of other great tidbits uh, about cast and crew and um, you know his work in general what it means to be a writer and a producer so thank you so much Drew thank you so much Dean for you know helping to to connect us with drew um and again hopefully we get the chance to do it again sometime yeah
2: thank you again so much drew we appreciate it and listeners thank you again for listening and we'll be back next week we we don't as of now we have not got the screener we don't know what next week's episode is called we just know that ben's a doctor maybe somewhere close to 1979 and a baby is a coming
0: a baby is on its way uh, and a baby is on its way right now, Dennis baby new year um (laughs) as as we as as we record this it is uh 4 36 p.m central standard time uh uh, on december the 31st uh so for all of our listeners wishing you a very very happy new year a very safe new year thank you so much for all of your support in 2022 it has meant the world to us uh it has been an incredible year for quantum leap fans it has been an incredible year for us hopefully we have been able to In some small way, enrich your year, whether it's providing you with a laugh or two or some awesome information for our favorite show, Uh, whatever the case may be. We certainly hope that uh, the stuff that we've shared has been a source of enjoyment for you because your support uh, and inspiration has certainly been a source of enjoyment for us. Uh, and motivation for us as well to to continue doing this to continue doing it better and also to not be so hard on ourselves and to realize that it's okay if we're not always 100 uh i'll just leave it at that if we're not always 100 thank you so very much um take care of yourselves take care of one another Mm -hmm. stay safe out there happy new year and remember fellow travelers to always leap responsibly well said sam have a good week y'all we'll see you next week
1: may live my life Traveling down